0: covid suits you you have a you have a sickly pallor. your that's, cadaverous pallor betrays an aura of foreboding
1: are you quoting something right now
0: it's a haunted mansion
1: um, <laughs> i don't know why i'm not surprised disneyland
0: great happiest earth. place on earth
1: i don't know why i am surprised that's what i meant
0: Mic check. Mic check. One, two, three, five, seven, eleven, thirteen.
1: Oh, you did it. You remembered to try some different numbers.
0: Yeah. You were gonna do that, you told me. I <laughs> I did tell you. Back in episode thirteen. We have continuity to keep up here. <laughs> this is a this is a, a serial program. I expect anyone listening right now to go all the way back to episode one and listen to everything all the way through at 5x speed before you get here. Hi, welcome to Most Difficult. Paul and Laura here. We're back. We've been doing more traveling. And uh we we see we came we came back with with you, with me, uh, with baby, mm-hmm. and with a fourth visitor. Ah, <laughs> little buddy Covid. Little buddy Covid, Covey. Little Covey we call him. Oh man, what a jerk. Uh, really, really knocked us for a loop. Uh, But because we are slaves to the content engine, we could not let these thoughts and feelings and experiences of the games we played go undocumented. So we braved it. We risked everything. And by everything, I mean grossing out our listeners. In order to record our thoughts... While well, we were a little under the weather, so... Oh, man.
1: No, 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 no. The real situation... <laughs> oh, okay. ...is that we couldn't go out and do anything else or see
0: anybody. <laughs> like we would have done
1: that anyway. <laughs> so we were playing the games anyway because that was what yeah. we were doing with our time. It was just a matter of were we going to play these games and not talk about them? I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous.
0: So... We said, man, we are going to sound gross, but we, you know what? We'll, we'll just throw a little disclaimer and and it'll be fine. You
1: know what? If it were the first episode that you listen to, if this is the first episode no. that you listen to, yeah. you're going to be like, who are these fabulous, sultry voices? Like, that is a smoky, smoky voice. Please read me to bed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a phone book. You can just read that. So what do we have today then? Episode 14, we have a whole bunch of games by Hot Shot. Rock star, extreme loose cannon designer, Stefan Feld. In a series that we're workshopping the title, we're thinking Feldorama. Feldorama. <laughs> we're thinking uh, Feldmania. Feldfest. Feld Feldfest. Uh, let's see uh, the the Feldarium, the Imaginarium of Stefan Feldarium, maybe something like that. Oh, that's something pretty like good. That? <laughs> I think what we're going to end up with is a uh, feld explosion. Five Stefan Feld games. We've got Castles of Burgundy. We've got Trajan. We've got Notre Dame. we got Bonfire. And we have Carpe Diem.
1: All Some classics. Some
0: classics. Some new ones. Yep. And everything in between. No, I think that's about it. Just classics <laughs> and new ones, I think, is, is pretty much all all he's got at least in our house let's get uh, let's kick off this feld explosion with, uh, with this first one right now welcome welcome to Burgundy we've got the uh, castles we've got castles we've got buildings we got sheeps we got cows goats chickens
1: yeah, but there's farmland for sure.
0: We got. Uh, did I say boats? We got boats. You didn't, because there's water here. We got knowledge. Have you seen the castles, though? We have a lot of castles here. And here in Burgundy, we don't really know when the things are going to get built or in what order, but hopefully they'll eventually get built. And uh, and you too can own a little piece of this of this majestic land, foreign, exotic obviously fictional land that has never ever existed, Burgundy. Named after (laughs) legendary newscaster. Nope, nope, we're not going there. We're not making that joke. I think you just did. Nope, we didn't. I got buzzed. It just buzzed. You didn't just hear the buzzer? (laughs) The castles of Burgundy. We all know it. It's very famous, actually. Maybe you don't know it. Maybe, dear listener, we are your sole source for all information about what exists in the board gaming sphere? And if so, I don't know. Should I feel bad for dear listener? If we are their sole source no, of news? you're welcome. That's you're welcome. true. Don't go anywhere else. We are <laughs> the only ones you should listen to. We invented board games. These are all just pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. Stefan Feld being chief among them. So Stefan Feld, I'm putting in mm-hmm. quotes, came out with Castles of Burgundy in 2011 uh after uh I don't have the his his ludography in front of me but pretty sure he kind of kicked around for a few years not putting out a bunch of big games uh Notre Dame and in the year of the dragon came out in 2007 Roma and Roma 2 but I I do believe Castles of Burgundy was his big first smash hit and uh and and here we are in the year 2022 still talking about it we've had a 2019 update release and now on Game Found right now is uh, is it the big maximum ultra super mega deluxe oh. edition? <laughs> Ooh. she does this all the time. I will tell her what's for dinner, and she'll she'll make that reaction. <laughs> Maybe it's just she's happy that I'm actually cooking something. I don't know.
1: Well, I do love when you serve up board games for dinner. It, so
0: yeah, like uh, <laughs> like one night ultimate werewolf. Ah, so. Jinx. Mm. You owe me a Coke. I'm gonna have one right now. Please hold. Ah, delicious Coke. Bubbly sodas always <laughs> always go down well while recording shows. What do we got here? What is in this box?
1: Yeah. This box yeah. has a bunch of player mats. Yeah. Six, five, four, seven.
0: Two, nine.
1: Is it nine? I think so. That's more than I thought. Yeah. So these player mats have... Six. Six. That's where I started.
0: Numbered one through nine.
1: That I have more questions.
0: Yeah. Don't so, ask.
1: So these player mats yeah. have on one side all of the same map. Yeah. But if you are the sort who craves a little asymmetry in your games, fear not. The flip side... Has an asymmetric <laughs> board where you can have something totally different from your opponent.
0: We got you covered.
1: Yeah. Stefan Feld thought of you. Smart guy. So, one of the things I like about this is we all know how I feel about hexes. <laughs> That's true. Not only does this have hexes as all the tiles, but yeah. the board that you play on, your own little player map board, is also in the shape of a hex. It's uh, a hex of hexes.
0: Exception.
1: It's exceptional. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Put that on the box. Yep. So... Obviously, I think that's the whole review right there. We that's know, it. We know how we're I'm done. It.
0: So uh, on to our next review. will be uh, something something exciting, I'm sure.
1: Let's actually tell them how it works.
0: Oh, oh, sorry, I thought we were done. Yeah, no,
1: you got a spot in the upper left yep. for your goods.
0: Okay, goods.
1: Goods come in six colors. <laughs> I
0: was we've, gonna say flavors. Yeah, we've we've got crate with a bag uh, in pink, crate with a bag in blue. Crate with a bag in red. Do I need to go on? <laughs> no. Crate with a bag.
1: Yep. In a variety with different of different colored borders. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, then you have a spot in the lower left for the hex tiles that you're collecting but have not yet placed on your map. There's three spots. Mm-hmm. You also have three spots for your goods. Three spots for goods. Yeah. And then you've got a bunch of little player aid stuff, just like visual cues to help you remember what's up. Yeah. But that's your player mat. Then in the actual board, you have six zones. One for each number of
0: the die. Dice in a Euro game? What? In a Steffen Feld game? <laughs> no. I can't. This. What's worse? App-driven games ah! or dice in a Euro game?
1: Ah! Ah! We'll find out. Keep going. Well, you've got these six. Yeah. Six regions. Depending on the number of players that you have, each of these regions will get filled with tiles and goods also. Yep. And then you have your score track around
0: the edge. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that, that much like I used to do when I was a kid, I'd be writing my my essay on my line paper, and then I would kind of run out of room on the right side or something, and mm. then i start cramming the letters closer and closer together. I see where you're going. That's yep. kind of what they did here. They started, they were like, we got to count to 100. And they kind of ran out of space around 84. And so they just played this little snake game to make it fit.
1: Yeah, that is pretty funny. (laughs) You'd think that if you're like, well, we want to have 100 points going around the ends of the board. Yeah. And we've got a a board that's got the approximate ratio of like, three to four yeah. with the short side, to the long side. Yep. So we should probably do something like X number across. The no, just go. Just start. So like No, just start making squares. <laughs> and like, oh, no, we're here at 84. And I don't think we're going to be able to fit in the next 16. Oh, add some zigzags.
0: If I had to guess, I'd say it's because the publisher, Aaliyah, standardizes all their board sizes and stuff. And so this is what they had to work with. Aaliyah, they're known for things like not caring how their games look, so I think we get to reap the benefits of that. Well, this one
1: doesn't look terrible. Yeah. It's I mean, fine.
0: I've seen worse. Not much, but. Oh, <laughs> but it
1: is one of the things that we're looking forward to in that. I'm sorry. If we give us a good review and we decide that we want to kickstart the new version. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. would be one of the things that we'd be looking forward to. Yeah.
0: Were we to to actually enjoy playing this game.
1: Right. Wait and find out. So that's the, the main board here. You've also got uh, some kind of round tracker information, essentially. Yep. Uh, you've got across the top left, five stacks of face-down goods. Yep. That's going to be your round tracker.
0: Yeah. They call them... They, they Sometimes they call them phases. Sometimes they call them rounds.
1: Years, eras, whatever. Yeah. Epochs. A through E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... At the beginning of each of those...
0: Millennium. This game takes place over 5,000 years of human history, of wearing tight beige pants.
1: Some castles never get finished, man.
0: And giant feathered hats. So. Yes. At
1: the beginning of a millennium. Yeah. You will pick up that stack of goods. You will drop them all down here yep. in this kind of corridor that you've set up along the left-hand side. Yep. And this is your turn tracker, I guess. There's
0: going to be five turns.
1: Per millennia.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. sure. That's what we're going with, millennia. Yep. 5,000 years of human history.
1: It's actually pretty simple. So I guess the only other thing to kind of lay out in advance before you tell folks how it's played yeah. is to mention that there are one, two, three, four, what, six colors of spots? Yeah. Yeah. So by spots, what I mean is hex colors for yeah. placing on your map. You've got the dark green spots. Those are the actual The titular the, titular the titular castles, castles of Burgundy. <laughs> yeah. You also have your light green, which is like your farmland and is going to have some kind of animals on it. Yeah. You have your blue, which as you might guess is your water tiles with yep. a picture of a boat on them. Those are all the same. Your gray is your mines with a picture of a mine on them. Those are also all the same. And then your brown spots are buildings. Yep. I guess that's kind of your village,
0: yeah, uh, city. I think they call it a city. Sure, it's your yeah. city.
1: All different kinds of buildings there. yeah. And then your your yellow ish.
0: I think those are knowledge or uh, technology. Call
1: those, like, chartreuse or something. But yeah, knowledge oh, technology. You, you
0: and I were ruminating on two very different things. <laughs> i was but like
1: together we provided the whole picture yeah
0: what i was like what are they called and you're just like what color is that <laughs> i don't know i'm not a color scientist
1: so there you go i think we just laid it out
0: so yeah the game takes place over uh five i guess the game calls them phases five rounds i think i think we uh called the millennia every one of these rounds uh you're going to take the five goods tiles and you're going to lay them out boom 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 right there on that column on the left side of the board Then, everyone's going to take the two dice of their color, and the start player is going to take the white die, and everyone's going to roll, 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 and there you go. I got a five and a three, and then- I also got a five and a three. Oh, you owe me another Coke. Man, I'm just racking them up. And then, this white die here is a four. So, what that means is, I take the topmost good from that column on the left side of the board and I stick that good on the spot labeled four on the main board there. And that good will be available for pickup, uh, which we'll cover in a second. But now, as the start player, I get to take my turn. And on my turn, I have to select a die and do one of four things. Uh, The simplest thing I can do is take a die and pick one of the hexes from the spot that matches that die. So I'm looking at this five, and over there in the five area, I can see that there's a mine available for me to pick up and one of these, what'd you call it, chartreuse technology tiles for me to pick up. I could pick up one of those two tiles, put it right in my storage space on my board. Boom, that's what I do with my five die. Now I pick up my three die and I decide what I want to do with it. Well, another thing I can do is look on my player mat and every one of these spots on my player mat has a color and has a number on it. If I'm able to, I can use this three to put... One of the tiles in my storage area right here onto my player mat. Now, what's a legal placement? The only thing you gotta do is match the color of the tile you wanna place. Mm-hmm. You gotta match the number of the die you're using to place the tile. Mm-hmm. And you gotta make sure you're putting next to a tile that's already on your player mat.
1: Adjacency. Yep, so you gotta okay. build
0: out. That's the second thing you can do on your turn. Uh, use a die to place a tile. The third thing you can do on your turn is sell goods. Over the course of the game, you will likely come into possession of these goods that we talked about earlier. Uh, Crate in a bag in blue. Crate in a bag in red. Crate in a bag in purple. Well, each of those colors also corresponds to a die. Like red is always four and purple is always two. And the goods you have in your possession can be sold. So you can use one of these dice to sell all the goods you have of that number slash color. So like five is always Brown. So if I pick this five up that I rolled and I say, I'm going to sell some goods and I look in my goods inventory, I can sell all of my fives. Maybe I have one, maybe I have four, who knows? doesn't matter. Cause no matter how many goods you sell, you get one money and then you also get two, three, or four points per good based on the number of players. Points are cool, but the money is really important because when you have two money, You can choose a tile as a free action from the black market in the center of the board. And there's nothing inherently special about the black market tiles. They're just an extra set that you can spend your money on as a free action during your turn. There are a couple of these technology tiles that are only obtainable on the black market. And they're okay. They're pretty cool. But by and large, it's just going to be a chance to maybe snag a ship tile if someone's taken all the ones that you wanted. Or an extra chicken tile if someone's taken the chicken tile that you had your eye on.
1: Or just to get an extra tile.
0: Yeah, because since it's a free action, you're just taking it. Mine. Gimme. It's 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 a, a quick way to start filling up your board if you want.
1: Which is really the primary way that you make points.
0: What, filling up your board? Filling up your board. Yep, because if you manage to complete all of the tiles of a certain color region on your board. So I'm looking at my player mat and I see one, two, three yellow hexes right there together in a group. And if I manage to complete that, I look at my little chart here and I see that that gives me six points. And then in the earlier parts of the game, completing those regions gives you more points. So if I complete a region of three in the very first round of the game, that's six points for that region. And then 10 bonus points for completing it that early in the game. So many points. So many points. Lots of points.
1: In addition to the money resource yeah. that you mentioned, yep. I totally forgot to also put out there that you get workers. workers. And we're going to
0: lead into that right now. But, Paul, you might be saying dice in a Euro game? Doesn't that mean the whole game is dependent on luck? And this is where you say... Okay, what? I'm trying to remember
1: exactly what you said.
0: Okay. But, Paul, yeah.
1: dice in a Euro game? Uh-huh. Doesn't that mean that the whole game is dependent on luck? How do I do? Pretty uh, good. I that think that's what you it's said, it's right?
0: good To the judges. Yeah, great. They liked it. Fantastic. Uh, yes, dice. Uh, they can be mitigated through the use of workers. Uh, the start player starts with one worker, and then you go down. The second player starts with two and three and four, if you're playing with that many players, over the course of the game. You'll be collecting these workers. What do they do? They let you plus or minus a die by one. Uh, You can even wrap around a one to a six or a six to a one. You can spend as many workers as you want to adjust a die. Pick them up, throw them in the thresher, get in there. Those are the four things you do on your turn. You pick a a tile off the main board, put it in your storage, or you can put a storage onto your your player mat, or you can sell goods, or you can trade one die in for two workers. That's the game, man. Easy peasy. Uh, Let's cover these buildings real quick. We're not going to cover all exactly what they do, but there are eight of them, and they all have varying powers from things like, oh, you placed this building down, get yourself four workers. Oh, you put this building down, get yourself two money. Oh, you put this building down, you get to take another tile from the board, from anywhere on the board.
1: Yep. Several of them have that kind of ability based on colors.
0: That's how you're going to chain things together a little bit. That's how you're going to get your turns efficient because if you just kind of plod ahead doing one die, one tile, you're never going to fill out. Even You're probably not even going to fill out half your board.
1: Yeah, several of them essentially let you get a free move. So several of those buildings let you just take an extra tile. Some of them let you play an extra tile. Yep. Then, of course, the castle lets you just do an extra move of any kind you want.
0: Yeah, it's effectively an extra turn. You get a free imaginary die of any value to do with however you please uh let's see what else well, what else we got oh mines mines give you one money in between each year so once you millennia 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 once you've finished you know five turns boom 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 boom, boom. then you move on to the next uh, millennia and if you have uh, any mines they'll each give you one money that you'll be able to spend uh what else we got on here oh farms uh you put down uh, uh one of these farm tiles with cows on it uh there's four cows on there you get four points Put down another tile with three cows on it right next to it. That's three points for those cows, plus the four for the cows that are next to it. Yeah, Continuously compounding bovines.
1: Making cow
0: friends. <laughs> uh, uh, what else? Oh, uh, the, the technology tiles, the chartreuse tiles. Uh, there's a whole bunch of those. We're definitely not going to talk about those, but they just give you abilities that tend to break the game, like uh, trading in a die for two workers, no, you can trade in that die for four workers.
1: Your mind gets you a gold. Now it gets you both a gold and a worker.
0: Selling goods gets you only one gold. Or, Well, see, we call it gold. Let me fill you in here a little bit, dear dear listener. We call <laughs> it gold uh, because our copy is missing the silverling tokens. So we have these little yellow cubes. If we've been calling it gold, what we really mean is silverlings. Uh, that That's the game's version of money. Uh, but but those technology tiles allow you to kind of break the rules a little bit or they'll give you some extra end game scoring Yep. and then these blue ship tiles when you place a blue ship tile down that lets you pick one of these six spots on the board and pick up all the goods from there and put them in your goods station, your goods spots um, you have to group them by color slash number so if you end up with a brown five that you can't place in there you gotta kick something out whether it's that or something else And also, placing ship tokens moves you up on the player order track. So it gives you a chance to keep being that first player. Which being first player, pretty dang sweet, I'll tell you what.
1: Especially because, and this is by design, but the tiles that you can pick up from the free parts of the board are... Not enough to get everybody through all five rounds. Nope. There's two, four, six, eight. There's twelve. Yeah, twelve to begin with. Yeah, and you've got five rounds with two plays each round. So, unless you want to be stuck with the dregs, or sometimes there's there's really nothing left that you can take at the end of a round. Uh, yeah. It's nice to be able to go first so that you aren't the one who gets caught with those tricky decisions.
0: It does happen a lot where you're approaching the end of one of these millennium and you're just like there is nothing on the board for me to do. I really wish I had thought of that instead of planning my entire strategy on being able to pick up that building I need at the end of the at the end of the round. Yep. Then you you do that 5 times and after in between each round you get your income, you reset the board. Those goods tiles stay where they're at, but effectively everything else gets wiped. And you just do that 5 times and at the end of the game Whoever has the most points wins you you total up some points for your leftover money some points for your leftover workers uh, The points for some of these technology tiles that gave you bonuses for having yep. I don't know animals of different types or that kind of thing And uh, also if you manage to complete all the regions on your player board of a certain color You'll get a little bonus tile if I completed all the light green areas I get to pick up this bonus tile. that gives me five points in a two-player game
1: and if I also complete that zone, but after Paul does, I get the interior version—a little
0: teeny one. It's a little tile for ants. And end game scoring is is pretty quick. You, like I said, you tally up that stuff, tally up your bonus points. Whoever has the most points is the Castle of Burgundy. You are crowned King Castle of Burgundy, or Queen Castle. I. There was
1: no coronation. They turn you into
0: a Castle of Burgundy. And the castles of Burgundy are the, all the people who have played and won this game.
1: Is that what the miniatures are in the Kickstarter?
0: Yeah. They represent all the people who came before you. <laughs> Shrunk down. They and, should
1: have like the names on them
0: and molded into ABS plastic <laughs> and sun dropped if you're willing to pay an extra 50 bucks. <laughs> Castle of Burgundy, what do we think?
1: Well, we like the game. We
0: like this game a lot. Did we kickstart it? We, uh, not technically not yet, but we will. We're gonna. <laughs> I'm just, I kind of want to just draw it out a little bit more. What we're currently on the fence about is whether or not we want the miniatures. It's only 10 more bucks, but that's a lot of miniatures. They probably won't get used. And do we we really need to encourage the production of more plastic that serves no goal?
1: So Paul's a completionist. It really is extraordinarily difficult for Paul to back a Kickstarter and not just go all in. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when part of it that I'm saying, I don't think we need that part, is only $10.
0: Yeah, right. And you're just going to get the same box. You're going to open up the box and it's like, here's where the miniatures would go if you had given us your money.
1: Oh, really? You think there's going to be like a a miniatures slot in there? Oh,
0: they're 100%. They've said they're going to use the same box. Now, whether or not they include an actual note that says, hey, loser, you could have had miniatures in this spot. No, they won't be
1: doing that. Um, are, is it going to be like a molded plastic insert yeah, like for the a, thing that okay. you're going to throw away anyway? Like a
0: game trays kind of thing. Yeah, but
1: you don't keep those.
0: Oh, but it'll probably be part of other tokens and stuff. Like, it'll just mm. be there reminding you at all times, you could have had it all.
1: Dear listener, I think you see where this is going. I think Paul's going to buy the plastic, even though we're literally never going to use it.
0: We'll see. I would put myself <laughs> at 50-50 right now. I would never bet on or against myself. We like Castles of Burgundy. This is a really good game. What do we like about it?
1: A lot of things. Okay. I mean, I I like the scarcity aspect of the tiles. and. Yeah kind of seeing what's available and, and getting a basic idea about what I want to try to aim to do in this millennium. And then I I like when I can't do it all and I have to figure out some kind of backup plan. It's kind yeah. of fun. I,
0: I'm, I'm not a huge fan of roll these five dice and that's your next five turns. But there, there's just this perfect balance of, oh boy, time to see what I get to do now. And it's just these two dice and that dictates what you get to do on this turn. And you get to have that feeling twenty five times. And I think it it just strikes that that perfect balance yeah. of, of excitement, but also being able to do some kind of forward planning.
1: Yep. Agreed. And I like that with those four different things you can do on your turn, you know, maybe this turn I'm actually gonna pick one up from the board and directly place it. Yep. You could do that. Yeah. Or you could just Kind of stockpile stuff like buildings that you know you want but you don't aren't able to place yet but you you need to get for some reason yeah you can kind of stockpile those or maybe you want to get rid of some goods because you're going to get a boat soon and you're going to restock some goods a lot of different ways to to make the most of what. Ever you're given even if you at first you look at it you're like that's ah, not an ideal role there's definitely something you can do to still advance your game
0: now we've been talking quite a bit about this game and and dear listener if you are truly not familiar with this game it may sound like it's it's hyper complex but i would dare say of, of of feld's complex games this is probably his most accessible because mm. the, like like you said there's only four things you can do on your turn yeah. the implications of that can can really get your noodle cranking and I would I would almost say that this could be played with a family, almost. Yeah. Um, why not? Oh, there's there's a lot of thought about uh, the eight different building types and and the implications of taking this tile on this turn or or waiting to take it on that ne- place it on that next turn or that kind of thing. I could see the the possibilities kind of spiraling out in in the brain of someone who is not quite familiar with having all these options presented to them and having to like prune that decision tree. But that said, I I doesn't mean I wouldn't try. Maybe I tell you what I would not try with this version, the original 2011 Aliyah version. I am willing to put up with a lot of questionable art uh, in, in my games. This is just, it's not just bad art. It actually makes the board hard to read sometimes. It's a little muddy. Yeah, it's muddy. Things don't pop. You can't really just run in your eyes over the board. You can't, your eyes don't easily go to what's available and what's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's rough. And the 2019 version did a better job. Uh, my understanding is that there are some things they did better, some things they did not do very well. And then that brings us to the Game Found Kickstarter, which... I think we're just gonna go all in on, uh, not all in, all in. No, 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 no. Let me back that up right now. No neoprene mat, no acrylic tiles. If we do get miniatures, I will not be sun drop paying to have them sun dropped. I will sun drop them myself. I'm a sun dropping <laughs> machine here. I could sun drop that stuff in an afternoon. Um, I think we can call this a classic. It it has survived the test of time, and I think I think it it, it is definitely worthy of a place on anyone's shelf who wants to consider themselves, you know, a collector of games. I think everyone should give it a try. In a world where nothing is wrong, everything is peaceful. The Roman Empire is at the height of its glory, ruled by the Optimus Princeps, Emperor Trajan. Trajan, all borders are secured, all people can focus on the empire's internal matters. I don't know, that actually sounds like a really boring, that sounds like a boring pitch, doesn't it?
1: Is that the setup for the game? Yeah. Yeah.
0: 110 AD, the Roman Empire is at the height of its glory, ruled by the Octopus. blah, 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 blah. All borders are secured, and the people can focus on the empire's internal matters. Snooze fast. Take your chances and boost your power. With the proper tactics, you may outmaneuver your opponents and eventually claim victory. But like Trajan already exists. You're not going to become the next Trajan. I don't know who we are. We're people who are just trying to make Rome better the best.
1: So the Roman Empire is giving all the citizens a bunch of cups and a bunch of beans. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, here, why don't you move these beans around your cups?
0: Every time you pick up a Doritos wrapper, put a bean in a cup. You've helped (laughs) Rome. Good work. Pax Gloria Belliosum or whatever. Yeah. The Trajan by Stefan Feld. Uh, weird setup for a game. It is a time of peace and uh, the, the bureaucrats want to uh, improve Rome. No fighting. No no staving off invaders. No backstabbing, both literal and metaphorical.
1: Really no conflict. No.
0: It's just who can who can build a better Rome the best. <laughs> so here we are. Building uh, Rome. Yeah, building Rome. It's Trajan by Steffenfeld. One of his meteor games. One of his bigger games. I remember the first time I saw this, and I was like, "Oh boy, I don't know what's going on on that board, but I want it."
1: That's so funny because I had the exact opposite impression. <laughs> I know it's you the did. First impression, I was like, yeah. "I don't know what's going on that board,"
0: and I hates it.
1: <laughs> and I want no part of it. Uh, but fortunately, fortunately, I I endured and yep. now like the game. Yep.
0: Spoiler, spoiler. <sighs> we keep doing that. We keep telling people we're not give, we're giving away the the cow here.
1: I mean, I think it's really difficult to hide. Yeah. Our feelings completely. It's not
0: hard to tell when we come into a review and we're just like, I guess we'll tell you about the game.
1: This game is a hot mess, but let's uh, hold our thoughts until the end.
0: <laughs> this game is a hot mess, but I
1: think it's kind of why we like it. Yeah. Well, I know exactly why I like this game, but th- that's not the point. That's let's not talk the point. about what the do you first get? impression yeah, that you we... and I both had such a strong visceral reaction to of the opposite S- kind.
0: Yeah. So, what what is it that prompted this, this reaction?
1: Okay. So, first impression. Yeah. The communal mat is, it's just a lot and it's all muddy color. You know, it's one of those games where you've got a, a kind of a map, an overall map situation happening. I think,
0: is this supposed to be Italy? Is this supposed to be Rome? And then up here, you've got the outlying areas like Germania and Britannia.
1: Up there? Look, I think there's supposed to be some kind of a perspective thing happening yeah, here yeah. where the scale at the top of the map is like way off <laughs> in the distance. Very tiny. And it's it's like actually a map, like risk style map up yeah, here with like yep. border territories and stuff. And then below that, you yeah. have what looks like an aerial view of some town stuff. Yep.
0: Red roofed buildings.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, on one side, you've got, yeah, the red roofed buildings with a bunch of these kind of red roofing tiles and then with different symbols on them and then on the left hand side you have a a seaport area which also has some some more buildings and some boat tiles then below that in much larger scale you have a couple of monument looking things that is the
0: that is the i believe that is the trajan is that the trajan arch it looks like the arc de triomphe let's be honest it is the arc the arch of trajan there you go There's that gateway to the Senate
1: where there's yet more tiles with symbols on them. These these ones have little colored dots at the top. (laughs) Yep. And then on the right hand side here, you have more tiles with symbols, more tiles (laughs) with symbols. They happen to have the same uh, symbols as there are also in the risk style map, distant map. Literally the the same
0: tiles go down here as go up there at that risk map. Yep.
1: Yep. Then at the very bottom here, there's a track that just has a bunch of rings of laurel leaves and points in it with some Roman numerals.
0: It's well, appropriate.
1: Ticking off, I guess, like the number of days you've been in prison down here was yeah. my first impression. I right? think that, that's
0: probably it. The mm-hmm. number of days you've been playing this game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, then you have a couple of little tracks at the bottom with yep. a, a marker on them that's going to run around these tracks. It is indicated... Two bottles of wine, three bottles of wine, or four <laughs> bottles of wine.
0: Again, how long you've been playing the game. Yep.
1: <laughs> so you know which one to use. Yep. Usually when Paul and I play, it's a two bottles of wine type of game. <laughs> I so suppose we,
0: there's nothing stopping us from playing the three-bottle game or the four-bottle game. It be so
1: much longer. Yeah. And then around the whole periphery, you have your score track. Now, that's the middle. Yeah. Blech. Then oh, you yeah. have your player mat. Player mat. Now, the player mat... The player mat's a little more inviting. The player mat has yeah. six cups, kind of, in the middle Vir- here. Virtual cups. Yeah, virtual Not cups. Not actual cups. And I think you did, did me the kindness the first time we played of setting oh. it up for me so that I had two little wooden cylinders of different colors in each of my little cups here. I did. So I was like, ooh, what's this? What, what? are these candies I get to put in dishes?
0: That was my my one kindness for the week that I that I allow myself <laughs>
1: Uh, And then we see more of the symbols we've seen elsewhere, here, everywhere else on the left-hand side of the board. There's like... I'm going to use fortunately in quotes here. Yeah, yeah. The different areas of the main board have some different shapes and sizes of tiles. <laughs> so yeah. it does become, even though there's a lot of repetitiveness in terms of the symbols you're seeing. Yeah. It is pretty clear where things need to go on your player mat because yeah. they have different shapes and sizes.
0: Eventually tiles migrate off of the main board onto your play mat and they have, they have made them different shapes and sizes. So it's very clear that this part of your player mat is just kind of a storage area for the tiles that you have collected yep. over the course of the game. There's a lot going on here. And and the reason there's a lot going on is because this is a game of mini games. Yeah. Six mini games. In fact, you've got shipping, construction, governmenting, uh, <laughs> more, wait, more governmenting, uh military-ing, kind of, and, uh, f- and foruming. Uh, let's cover some of those actions, Mm -hmm. but before we do that, let's talk about what you need to do in order to win and what your turn looks like.
1: Yep. So just very briefly, I'm going to say that I like the way your turn plays out.
0: I like the way your turn plays out too. Oh, baby. Yeah. So the- Should I hit hit stop?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Those of us who grew up playing Mancala oh. and muffin tin as oh a child, yeah yeah because you don't need to buy a Mancala board you can just use like muffin tin anything and you have teeth yeah we didn't play with teeth
0: <laughs> well then you have you really played mancala <laughs> if you haven't played it with teeth
1: so I was immediately drawn to the way that you determine what you're gonna do on your turn yeah which is as I mentioned. You have these six cups on your player mat. Yep. And you have two little wooden cylinders of different colors in each of the cups. That's the initial starting position. Yes. And to determine what you're going to do, each of these cups, by the way, has a position. It's like a, it's arranged in a circle, uh, starting with one at kind of the 11 o'clock position and then two at the one o'clock and kind of around like that. Uh, each of these positions also has a different mini game action on the board that it corresponds to. Yep. So, if you pick up your contents of one cup.
0: So let's say you're you're picking up your contents at cup number one there and you got a couple of colored cylinders mm-hmm. in there.
1: I would drop one in cup number two. Yep. I would drop one in cup number three. That's the last one for my first play, because everyone starts with two in each cup. Yep. At the beginning. So I would then take the action for position three, which is militarying.
0: Militarying. Yeah. And then you do your military action and then you would move the time tracker here, which is which where the is, wine bottles are. On the wine bottles here. are. Yeah. You move the time tracker two spaces because she moved two little cylinders. One, two. And that's important because every time you go around the track once, you reveal a demand tile because it has been what we consider to be a quarter of the year. And, and the people are now demanding helmets which i th- i think that's supposed to be gladiatorial combat i think not actual helmets it's not like everyone gets a helmet <laughs> we already have do we really emperor trajan do we really need more helmets it's
1: a time of peace sir
0: <laughs> how many helmets i know why do you think we're giving away all these helmets supply and demand <laughs> baby uh and, you know we go around the track again and we have revealed torches i don't actually know what that means Maybe maybe they... It's
1: s'mores night.
0: <laughs> well, but then the, the, this is bread. Mm. So they need more food. I don't know. We got helmets, torches, and bread. That's what the people demand. Uh, and you've got a stack of demand tiles. And every time you go around that track, you'll reveal a demand tile until you've revealed three. And then when you go around that track a fourth time...
1: It's time to meet the demands.
0: That's the end of the year. And it's time... Yeah, resolve the demands. And uh, thanks to some of the tiles that you gather... You will be able to meet those demands or you won't. And if you can meet them, great. If you can't, you face an increasingly stiff amount of victory point penalties from minus four to minus nine, all the way up to minus 15. If you can't meet any of them, don't do that. Yep.
1: (laughs) So in a bird's eye view sense. Yeah. The game plays, I take all of the contents of one of my cups. Yep drop them one at a time in the subsequent cups going around clockwise whatever cup i drop the last one and i take that action and however many wooden cylinders i just dropped yep. as i went around there i also move the turn tracker that number of spots yep and the turn tracker is the timer for the game so as you're running laps around this revealing demands every fourth lap you stop you have kind of a phase where you do some bookkeeping and resetting and again meeting folks demands yep and you basically do that four times
0: yeah so 16 times around that wine bottle track around that time track Um, that's the bird's eye view of the game let's just briefly go over what these six mini games are and then we can talk about what we think about the game. Sounds good. Yeah. So, the six mini games in no particular order, I'll just start here at one shipping. Now, uh, what comes with the game is a stack of commodity cards here. And there are a lot of different ways to draw cards and discard cards, but eventually you'll start building up a hand of cards. And what you're gonna do with those cards is cash them in at one of these three boat tiles that are on the board and the three boat tiles give you an escalating amount of points for turning in cards that meet certain criteria so for example just turning in one card by itself gives you two points turning in a second card that's not the same as the first will give you four all the way up to four cards that are not the same it'll give you eight when you cash in that kind of set of card you then flip that boat token over which makes future people cashing in that set not get as many points. Uh, Another category of set that you can do is one, two, three, or four of a kind, giving you two, six, 12, or 20 points. Four of a kind is great. It's also really hard to Mm -hmm. get.
1: There's lots of different symbols on those cards. Yeah,
0: you started with three of a kind uh, in one of our games, and that pretty much just gave you 12 points right off the bat.
1: Yep. In fact, I looked at it, and I think the first thing out of my mouth was, when you drew your three cards, did you get something weird? And you're like, "Uh, no, what do you mean? I was like,
0: neither did I (laughs) just asking. And the third set is one pair, two pair, three pair that are all different. So you'll get five points for your first pair, uh, 10 points if you can throw in a second pair and 15 if you can cash in three pairs that are completely different. And like I said, for all three of these boat tiles, once the first person this year cashes them in, they get flipped over to their gray side, which makes them not worth as many points but once you've made enough laps around the track and you set up for the next year, those boat tiles get flipped back over to their blue side and they become worth their maximum points again for the next person to come along and take them. That's shipping. Uh, We're gonna move on over here to the forum, and the forum is in spot number two. That's pretty straightforward. During the setup of every year, some tiles get laid out there in a grid in the forum, and, and when it's your turn to take a forum action, just take one of those tiles. They range from temporary one-time tiles to help you meet the demands like bread or helmets or torches. They can give you extra votes in the Senate, which we'll get to in a bit, or they can give you extra actions. Extra actions are neat. Uh, If you take an extra action tile, say for shipping, right? You pick up a shipping extra action tile. The next time you take a shipping action, you can spend that tile to immediately take another shipping action. And there's a way later on to to increase that so that when next time you take a shipping action, you can actually take two extra shipping. Triple
1: records. shipping. Trip
0: a trip ship. That's what we call it in the lingo of us pro Trajan players. That's how
1: to be a cool Trajan player. Yep,
0: make sure you say that. You have to yell it out. Jump in the air, fist up, trip ship and then play some music behind you while you freeze frame for at least ten seconds. Oh god. Everyone everyone loves it when you do that. That's uh, the forum. It's just just take a tile. You got this big smorgasbord. Uh, that's Roman, right? That's that's Italian. Isn't it weird? <laughs> Isn't it weird that when we think of Roman, that's like it can either mean Italian or Latin. I'm gonna cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna move on to number three here, which was the military. We mentioned that earlier. Now, despite this being a time of peace, that doesn't mean there aren't some other germanic tribes out there that need their butts kicked so uh when you start the game everyone starts up here in this military risk map area with a big dude and a little dude in this green circle and when you take the military action you got some choices you could take your big dude and move him to an adjacent spot and take a tile that's there if there is one there if there's not a tile there and you move your big dude there you get nothing Another thing you can do is take one of your little dudes out of that green circle and drop it right into the spot where your big dude is. If there's nobody there, then you'll get the full amount of points that are available in that spot. But you'll lose points if you're not the first player to put a little dude there, you'll lose three points from that possible total for every person that got there before you. And then another thing you can do uh, is to just add more little dudes to that green circle. You typically don't want to spend your military actions doing that because there are ways to do that kind of for free later on, which we'll cover.
1: Not yeah. to mention, if you're not going to actually place them in any of the lands, yeah. it's just wasted turns.
0: It's, yeah, wasted time in this game is all about efficiency. Let's move on to the Senate action. That's here in spot number four. The Senate action is really simple. It's just a track. It's that track we were talking about earlier. Well, I think we jokingly referred to it as the prison Where you're writing those Roman numerals. It's literally just a a bunch of... It's a row of numbers. It's a row of spots left to right.
1: Yep. With like the the one, two, three, four, slash five tally.
0: That represents votes Mm -hmm. in the Senate. So the further along you move down that track, the more votes you get in the Senate. And those votes are tallied up uh, in you know in the year when we resolve demands. That's another thing we do during that little bookkeeping phase is we resolve votes in the Senate. You also get some victory points every time you move further and further down that track. And earlier I mentioned in the forum spot, one of the tile types you can get is little tiles that help you get extra votes in the Senate as well. So you can actually win the Senate without ever actually taking a Senate action.
1: And winning the Senate is good because you get first dibs on what special bonus you'll get to score in the end game.
0: Yeah. The next action is the Trajan action, the titular Trajan action. And the Trajan action is where you get to pick one of the six different Trajan tile types. We've got this alliteration. Eat your heart out, Chaz Marlar. Watch it played. <laughs> we got you beat. The six Trajan tile types are anything from drawing extra cards to putting dudes in the green circle here uh, for the military spot, putting dudes in the brown circle for the construction, which we'll get to in a second, Uh, permanent tiles that fulfill the demands that the people want. I got this bread Trajan tile that I've scored, and I just keep it there on my mat. And that means I permanently have at least one bread to put towards fulfilling the demands, which is very useful.
1: Whoa, whoa, Paul, what are the, about those colors at the top of the tile? That's
0: that's an excellent question. When you take a Trajan tile, you'll put them in these spots that are around these Mancala cups, uh, the one, the two, the three, the four, the five, and the six, uh, and where you put that is denoted by this cool wooden arch of Trajan. It starts in spot number one, and when you get your first Trajan tile, boom, you'll drop it there in spot number one, and you'll move your arch to the next unoccupied spot, around your Mancala board here. As you take this action, you're going to be filling up more and more spots around your Mancalas with these tiles. If you end your move in a Mancala cup with a Trajan tile on it, and you have those two colors in that cup, you score that tile. So here's a great example. Right now, I'm looking at a Trajan tile here in spot number one that has two blue dots on it. That means if I do a move of my little cylinders here and I finish in that spot and I have two blue cylinders in that Mancala cup, great. In addition to taking the action associated with that cup, in this case, the shipping action, I also get to score that Trajan tile, which in this case gives me five points and lets me put one dude in the green circle up here in the military area.
1: So those Trajan tiles are really the entire reason, I think, that you have these wooden colored yeah, bits.
0: That, yeah, that's the only reason they're colored is so that it gives you something to shoot for and and, and gives you that, those extra free actions to help you be more efficient.
1: And it's okay if you have extra cylinders in there beyond just the two that you need to Absolutely. complete that tile. And the one that you put there does not have to be one of the ones used to complete that tile. Nope. But as long as when you take that action and finish your move, you have present in that cup the two colors on that tile. You get to take that bonus action or ability yeah and get the points
0: get the points
1: and still do what you're supposed to do when you take the cup
0: yeah these tiles have a you know a, a varying number of points in relation to the ability that they give you typically the more useful the ability the fewer points they give you anywhere from just straight up nine points to one point and a permanent bread for meeting demands useful early in the game maybe not so useful at the late game
1: and I think you did mention that this is how you would get the trip ship.
0: The trip ship
1: is through a combination of getting the Trajan tile that has the plus two.
0: The plus two. It turns your plus one into a plus two. And you can be like, you know what? If I ever get an extra action for my my ships, I'm going to make that a plus two instead. And so from the rest of the game, I I get uh, an extra, extra action. Uh, that's that's fun. It's fun. It's never not fun to be able to take the same action three times.
1: It is never not fun.
0: Uh, finally, we get to construction, the construction action here on spot number six on your man collar board. The construction zone here is a grid of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, 20 construction tiles randomly laid out. And it also has a little circle like the military area where you put your your little dudes in there. And when you take the construction action, you have a choice of two things, either add more dudes to that brown circle or take a dude and put it somewhere in the construction zone. Your very first one can go anywhere and you'll take the tile that's there, you'll score the points on that tile, you'll move it over here to your player board here. And if it's the first tile of that type that you have taken, you get An extra action.
1: Bonus action. Bonus
0: action. Hey, it's the tile with the stairs on it. I'll put it on my player mats. First one of that type I've taken, and that tile's worth four points. So I score four points and I get to take an extra forum action. Taking the same tile type multiple times will still give you the the points for that tile, but you're not going to get that bonus action anymore. Every time you take a construction action after that first one, you have to kind of move out from where your initial person was put down in that grid. So you can't hop all over the place. So make make sure that first person counts. Make sure you know what you're going to do as you build out. You can't block each other really, but if someone gets to a spot before you, you'll end up putting a, a person down there and not getting any benefit for it at all. Yep. But it'll help you move around and navigate that grid. Those are the six mini games. You got your military, your shipping, your construction, your Trajan tiles, your forum, and your senate. Those all kind of connect together and interleave together to score you points and points and more points and more points and then bookkeeping in between each of the four years and that's it at the end of the game you do a little bit more tallying up of some things uh, and then finally you score these bonus tiles that you have picked up these bonus tiles are what you win when you win the senate during those bookkeeping rounds uh, i'm looking at one right now and it gives you three points for every what is this a wine card that you played during shipping And three points for every fish card that you maybe have played as part of your shipping.
1: But, Paul, why is the other side of that tile a different color and has less number of points for the same things on it?
0: Because unlike a certain, I don't know, 250-plus-year-old country uh, that, that currently tests democracy these days... Uh, back then, they actually gave you a bonus for coming in in second place. <laughs> <laughs> that was a oh, long one. Oh, is that one. why? <laughs> that was a long one. Yeah, you get you, just because you come in second place in the Senate doesn't mean you get nothing. You get to pick up one of these bonus tiles, but you get the gray side, which is just not as many points, but for the same thing. So I'm looking at one right now that says, if you have a leftover bread tile after fulfilling all the demands at the end of the game, if you still have a leftover bread tile, great, you'll get nine points for it. But if it's the gray side, which you had to take because you came in second place when you took that tile, you'll only get six points. So it's not nothing. Uh, that's reserved for the third and fourth player.
1: Wait, when you play with three or four people, there's actually only the two tiles. Yeah, so you don't get anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, third and fourth place
0: get nothing.
1: So we've been we've been a little bit spurled by playing with just the two of us. Yeah, yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. If
0: we played with three or four players, we would find ourselves hurting a lot more with these bonuses. So just, I think I think scores would be a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. The six mini games all selected through the use of this Mancala game that you're playing in front of you. Man, it, it's it's quite a package here. And I don't think we've played anything like it.
1: Absolutely not. Aside what, from Mancala. Aside from <laughs> that's
0: drive You have.
1: No, but uh, this is really fun. Yeah. This moving around of your wooden bits in the cups to figure out what you're going to do next is so satisfying especially with the added element of trying to line up the, those colors those trajan tiles for the trajan tiles yeah. yeah it's really fun and also very frustrating it can be a bit of a brain bender too times because there will be points in the game where you really need to do certain things for example i'm thinking of oh we've just revealed that this time the people really 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 want helmets yeah it's all helmets all day that's what they want
0: yeah
1: <laughs> And there's only so many ways that you can fulfill those needs. Yeah. There's getting the permanent helmet icon from the Arc of Triumph here. Yep.
0: Yep. Wrong city. And (laughs) then other than that, Moving on.
1: You hope there's a a stray helmet tile up here in the Risk game or over there in the Forum forum game. But if there's not, You're screwed, but...
0: You just got to prep. You got to prep to get ready to lose 15 points. Yeah,
1: or maybe there's one, and then it's a race between you and your opponent to get that tile. Yeah, But if you don't have bits in the right places or in the right numbers... man, I hate it when I don't have bits
0: bits in the right places.
1: You you might have no go at it. So one of the fun slash infuriating parts of the game (laughs) is figuring out how to be able to do what you need to do with what's available... Uh, or at least set yourself up to be able to do that soon, if possible, which is kind of a lot of counting, but in a satisfying way, I think.
0: If you're the type of person who likes to get into it and like punch each other and, and get into fights and, and directly interact with each other, this is not the game for you. In fact, not only is this not the game for you, this is not the designer for you. Yeah. And this probably isn't even the podcast episode for you. Maybe uh, listen to some of our other episodes that are a bit more punchy, a bit more getting each other's face. Because this game is definitely staring at that Mancala board and, and moving your little cylinders around.
1: Mm hmm. And occasionally looking up and thinking, oh, maybe I could uh, just get like one more vote than him on the board. Yeah. Or. I see that he's been collecting a bunch of those oil lamps over there from his shipping actions. I probably should make sure that he doesn't get the bonus tile that gets the oil lamps. These kinds of things. There's not a lot of ways to keep your opponent down. Yeah. And if that's what the best you
0: can do is just like every now and then remove a rung from the ladder they're trying to climb. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But if if you're okay with that and you know (laughs) we all we know that we are uh, this game is great. I would really like to see this game get kind of an updated look. Some yeah. EO tool artwork I think would really do it well. If I were deluxifying this game, it wouldn't have all three of these tracks down at the bottom. It would probably be some kind of removable tile or something that would sit in a cool double-layered board or something like that. Castles of Burgundy is getting that big deluxification. I'd love to see a game like this get a big deluxification. I'd probably pay for it. I think a seventh mini game would be interesting somehow. I don't know how we'd work it in there. I think this game could, could actually stand to be expanded just a little bit more, and I would absolutely pay for a deluxe version of this.
1: I would enthusiastically encourage you to.
0: Yeah. Uh, no miniatures, though. I don't think it needs miniatures. We don't need little busts of Trajan. I encourage you... Dear listener, go look up what Emperor Trajan actually looked like. <laughs> he had a very different idea about what a, a powerful man looked like back then. <laughs> He's, oh, boy. Kind of a weirdo. Sorry, Trajan and your descendants, 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 but it was 2,000 years ago. Get, get some thicker skin. Beacons are unlit, Gondor requires no aid, would be the tagline, would be the line that we would all remember if Gondor were a town of gnomes and uh, there were no bonfires lit. Good, just keep
1: going. I want to see how far you're going to take this one. I can't
0: do this. That's it. The bit's over. That was a quick (laughs) bit. This is Bonfire by Stefan Feld. It is unusually thematic. In that it does not take place in ancient Rome yeah. or on some barony or duchy or whatever those those weird words are. <laughs> this takes place in a magical forest. It's very blue. It looks uh, kind
1: of like Tatooine, actually, which I'm thinking that because these these little meeples look just like tiny Yodas.
0: Yeah, um, the Tatooine has nothing to do with Yoda. <laughs> Tatooine is a des- oh, you're right, a desert. Well, what's planet. the
1: name? What's the name of the planet where Yoda lives? Dagobah.
0: The no, that's the Dagobah system. Yeah, but the planet itself is also called Dagobah. Star Wars is weird. They will name entire systems after the sole habitable planet inside of it.
1: Got it. So it it actually looks like Dagobah then.
0: There we go. But this is Bonfire by Stefan Feld.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the show. We took a little
0: detour (laughs) there. Uh, This is a game about gnomes and bonfires and secret forest guardians. I tried reading the intro paragraph in the rule book. I read it two or three times and I just can't get through it. Look, I, I admire that this has the most theme of a Steffenfeld game that I've seen, but the theme makes absolutely no sense. It has something to do with forest guardians and bonfires and cities and gnomes and, and having a competition to see who can save the world the best, I think. It doesn't matter because uh, it's charming in its presentation, and I think that is the part that truly matters, especially for a Steffen game. Agreed. It's nice to look at. It is. Well, why don't you tell the listener what we're looking at right now? I mean, aside from... On the table, Laura, not me, (laughs) but on the table. Sure.
1: So, uh, we've got a board that, generally speaking, has two halves. Yeah. One half is a series of islands with some waterways, obviously, between them. And most of the islands in the middle have um, tokens for goals on them.
0: Yep. The game calls them tasks, and they can be anything. Yeah. From... Do this thing to do that thing, and anything in between. <laughs> I could go. I could go into detail, but it's too early for that.
1: Uh, yep. And then you also have these peripheral islands where we have called them um, <laughs> called Uh-oh. them. It-
0: uh oh. <laughs> Cultural insensitivity warning. Italians.
1: Yeah. Or angels. Yep. Was there something else that we called them too? Uh,
0: they're technically called guardians. Oh, no.
1: There was something else that you Evita. said Evitas. Yeah. yeah. So Evitas. maybe you can actually imagine what they look like with those three
0: yeah. descriptions. Give me something like that. Yeah. That's- Spooky that. ghosts. They yeah. They can spooky ghosts. Yep. Ooh. So
1: they're colored meeples. Yep. Uh, you've got kind of a, a teal, I think we decided. This one was yep. pink, gray. And oh, natural. (laughs) Oh,
0: natural. Perfect. Yeah. Nude. So that's that side. Nude guardians. If you're white. That's true. You know what? That's right. That is actual cultural (laughs) insensitivity. That's true.
1: And then over here on the other half of the board, you have. like an altar type of situation, maybe I think what like a you've sundial got, in the middle. You've got
0: this bonfire, which magically has an arrow pointing. It's like a turning
1: a, bonfire with an arrow. I, I think it's like more a big like a combustible
0: <laughs> spin the bottle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that thing turns. Yep. It uh, doesn't actually turn. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a dial kind of thing. lazy Susan a, you or anything, pick it's it up this and,
0: cardboard thing that you turn.
1: Yep. Uh, and then around that, you have a series of benefits. Yeah,
0: benefits that mm-hmm. we'll go into in a bit.
1: Yep. And you also have some um tokens. More, tokens. more tokens. With different shapes and symbols on them. Yep. And then around that, you have a series of little... Benches. Like, yeah, like little benches yep. for your your for Yodas to sit on. Baby Yodas. Yep. And those have some, some perks there as well. And then... Outside of that, you have a set
0: of... These are called path tiles. They have a road and a colored crystal, one of three colors on them. And it's like this marketplace of these path tiles that you can choose from.
1: And then you also have your marketplace of gnome cards and... Elders. Elder. Yeah, who are also gnomes.
0: They're just older gnomes.
1: Yep. And then, of course, you've got a score tracker.
0: And a score tracker. Every Euro game needs a good score tracker. Yep. And this one is no different.
1: So that's the... Play board, yeah, and then you have your own board,
0: your player board.
1: Your play, thank you, yeah. And your player board is a semicircle that has in the middle a grid, and that's where you're going to be laying some
0: one by three tiles. Like, they're kind of like dominoes, yeah. but with
1: three spots in them instead of yeah. two. Yeah. Yep, and around that you have your. Bonfires with the locations that where you will place the things that you pick up from the islands with the
0: goals. The tasks that we mentioned earlier. There's seven spots for them, and you'll be picking those up and putting them in their spots around this semicircle on your player board.
1: Yep. And then outside of that, you have by no. outside of that, I, of <laughs> course, I mean we're building out from the center of the circle here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then you have the uh, the spots for those aforementioned little wood uh, cardboard. Chits that have the different shapes and symbols on them that the bonfire can point to. Yep. Yep. And then outside of that, you have the path tiles.
0: And I think we need to stress that they really are different shapes. Like I've got one here that looks like an upside down V. Got one here that's just a straight rectangle. Got one that looks like what do you think? A butt. Boobs or butt? I've been calling it the butt one. Yeah, I've been calling it the boobs. Well, I think we know uh, what kind of man <laughs> I am, I suppose. Uh, but the these shapes um these shapes will plug right in all the four player boards are different uh with with the order in which these little weirdly shaped tokens need to slot into the outer edge of this semicircle. that's an interesting fact for you right there all four player boards are different so it's not like everyone's going to be struggling for the same token at the beginning of the game outside of that we've got these what are they those are the path tiles. I said that already. That's right. The path tiles. Yeah. They they so what happens when you you slot in one of these weirdly shaped tokens into the outer side of your player board, uh, and then you can slot a path token right on top of that, and it creates this neat little satisfying contiguous series of tokens that all join together. It is
1: very satisfying it to is. kind of lock it all in. It's like a little puzzle. Yep. That fits really nice. Yeah. You got a little
0: jigsaw puzzle. It's good. Uh, that's the the description of the board. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about how the game plays because we've got a lot of talking to do given that this is a Feld game. (laughs) So the object of the game is to score points. And because this is a Stefan Feld game, it's going to get circular. So try to bear with me here. The way you score points is by moving your ship around those islands, picking up tasks and picking up these guardians, these angel figures, and bringing them back to your player board. You don't actually have to bring them back as soon as you pick them up they magically teleport to your player board and these tasks will be things like uh, have a total of a certain number of little blue flower resources or have a certain number of completed bonfires of a certain color or that kind of thing the idea is that you'll gather these bonfires you will complete those tasks to actually light the bonfires then the guardians that you move around the board and pick up will eventually make their way around the semicircle from left to right along the path tokens that you will have collected that you will have collected and then provided you've got that portal token those weirdly shaped tokens between a path tile and a lit bonfire creating that path then the guardians can make their way into the spot that's right next to the bonfire and you'll get more mega points so for example i'm looking at my player board right here i've completed a task that gave me five points and then i've moved a guardian down next to that bonfire and that particular spot because it's earlier in the semicircle, is going to be worth fewer points and in this case this guardian has given me three points for standing next to this lit bonfire which itself gave me five points so you you want to make sure that you've set yourself up so that you can have a nice pathway for all your guardians that you're going to pick up to work their way around and then lock them all into place next to tasks that you have completed. So,
1: but here's the tricky part. Oh, what is the tricky yeah. part? Cause so far you're... this
0: game seems pretty easy. <laughs>
1: the paths, uh, have to go from left to right across the top. of your No problem. Circle.
0: Left to right. Sure.
1: But the portals, those uniquely shaped little chits that could be semicircles or butts.
0: That act as the bridge between the path and the bonfires. Have to go from right to left.
1: No. So you don't really start getting completed paths for those angels to cross until probably somewhere in the middle. Once you. Like halfway through the game roughly. Is
0: is when the, the portals that you're building from right to left and the paths that you're building from left to right meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, And then at the end of the game, you get a bunch of points for all kinds of things. It's a point salad game. It wouldn't be a Feld if it was not. You'll get points for for these guardians that are standing next to lit bonfires. You'll get points for the bonfires that are lit. You get points for the resources, any excess resources that you've collected. You get points for your path tiles if the crystal on them matches the color of the bonfires. Bonfires can be blue, red, or yellow. And that means the path tiles can also be blue, red, or yellow. So you get some points for matching things up that way. You get some points if you have these weirdly shaped portal tokens. If, they are, if there are portal tokens next to lit bonfires, you get points for all kinds of stuff. That's, that's the main loop of the game is send your ship out to get tasks, bring them back, bring the guardians back, complete those tasks, and then lock those guardians into place and save the world. Better than your opponents.
1: So here are some of the fun limitations that you have to work with. Yeah. One of the really interesting little mechanics for how to determine what you can do on your turn yeah. is this way that you place these domino-ish one-by-threes yeah, onto focus your grid. In.
0: Let's focus right in on this grid I'm that we talked about Zooming in earlier. the
1: camera right now yep. onto the player mat.
0: Yeah. Starting out the game, you have a single section right in the middle here a one by three section right in the middle that you get to put your very first of these what did we call these dominoes these one by three dominoes we'll just call them dominoes sure i'm looking at a domino right now and it's got a red symbol a blue symbol and a brown symbol on it we'll cover what those symbols mean in a second but the point is you start the game with that right dead center in the middle of your grid there and then as the game goes on There will be times when you're allowed to put down another one of those dominoes. You put down another domino and if you line things up right, you're going to be able to get multiple actions of that same type.
1: So anytime you line up a new domino with what's already existing on your board and the symbols match, then you will get uh,
0: multiples for the cluster that you've just created. I'm looking at another domino right here and from left to right, I flipped it upside down because you can do that. I've got a green, a red, and a blue, and I'm putting it on my player board. And now what I've done is I've created this little contiguous area of two red spots, two blue spots, and that green spot all by itself. That means I will then grab one green tile, two red tiles, and two blue tiles, which I can spend later on to do stuff during the game.
1: To do specifically those actions. So the blue tiles very specifically are the boating action.
0: They let you move your ship around.
1: Yep, the green tiles are
0: the take a path, from, Action. from this path marketplace and stick it around the outside of your board the purple is spin the the combustible uh, bottle yeah. i think is what we call <laughs> the this this, this bonfire that lets you that has a big giant arrow on it you can spin it around and it'll give you some rewards every spot that you can point at has three possible rewards and you get to pick two of them yep and then the uh, brown one is draft one of these gnomes yep around the uh, outer edge of the board there's two marketplaces there's a marketplace of helper gnomes who let you break some kind of rule or give you extra points for fulfilling certain conditions and then on the other side of the board there are the same six elders every time it's not drawn from a deck And they are kind of like publicly available private objectives, like milestones, like, ooh, it's time for me to to draft uh, the one that gives me one point for every path tile that I have around my board. I've got seven path tiles around my board. That's going to be a cool seven points if I can draft that elder gnome right there. Yeah,
1: All the elder gnomes are about giving you points for excellence in any one of the main areas of the game. Yep. Collecting path tiles, collecting bonfires, collecting gnomes, etc.
0: Other tiles include ones that uh, give you the ability to move your guardians. Uh, Remember, there are four guardian types. We earlier called them Italians or Evitas or Angels. Uh, Those guardians will all start on the left side of your semicircle. And as you build out paths, you can spend uh, guardian tiles, guardian actions that you gain To start moving them around that semicircle from left to right every time they stop on a path tile you'll pick up a resource that might be listed on that path tile and those resources are going to be used as currency to enable you to do more stuff
1: and then lastly you have the red which is pick up a a goal from an island
0: now there's some flexibility here uh resources can be used to do certain things typically to uh, be able to draft these gnome helpers or to be able to actually pick up these tasks that are out on the islands but you can turn in two of any resource to count as another one or you can use gold gold is a nice little wild resource And then uh, the same thing can apply to these action tiles that you gain by playing this little Tetris game on your player board. You can turn in two of any action tiles to count as one of another one. You can be like, oh, I really need to, to get a purple tile so that I can turn this bonfire one spot. Pick two of your action tiles that you're not using and turn those in. Now, that's going to mean you're not being as efficient with your tiles, but if you need something now, you need something now, and the game gives you that flexibility to do that. So uh, it sounds like we've just talked a lot in circles, and dear listener, this is one of those instances where I'm going to ask you to take a look at maybe a Google picture uh, or something like that to really get an idea about what we're talking about. But it's a game of all these lining up mechanisms. You need to do this in order to do this in order to do this in order to do this to get points. And, and like we said, it wouldn't be a Feld if it didn't have that. <laughs> but hopefully, we've done at least a decent job of laying out what the object of the game is and how you and how you win.
1: Yeah, at least I don't I don't feel like it's one of those hamster wheel kind of games where you have no? to kind of okay. get on and go in a certain flow because you don't really, but you yeah. do have to kind of balance all of the different elements in some fashion. A little of this, a little of that, a little of this.
0: Some forward planning definitely helps. I'm gonna pick that task up because in three turns, I'll be able to do this, which will then allow me to complete that task. And when you complete tasks, you get to flip over the token that that you picked up in order to do that task. It'll give you some points. And then next to each of these spots where these tasks on your player board goes
1: is your own little Yoda in your own color. Your
0: own little, little army of, of baby Yodas. And once you've completed a task successfully.
1: <laughs> yep, that just happened. What were you
0: doing? Were you? I was
1: uh... playing with the offering tokens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's try that again. And once you've completed a task, you flip it over and the baby Yoda that's sitting right next to it keeping a watchful eye on that bonfire that you just lit then you get to send them to the middle of the board and you get a, a one-time bonus boost, like maybe a couple of gold and, and a wild action tile or a boost that lets you set the uh, the bonfire to any of the directions that you want to gain the benefit or lets you put your ship anywhere you want on the board. They're very good benefits. They're excellent benefits. Yes. And, and what you do is you end up stringing this series of actions together on your turn. Uh, you, you're like, I'm going to claim this goal on my turn. Then I'm going to... Uh, flip this bonfire over and put my baby Yoda on this spot that allows me to then pick this thing up and put it over here, which, Oh, completes another goal. And, and you get to have yourself a nice little combo turn like that. In fact,
1: these benefits are so good that they are the timer for the game
0: as well once seven of these benefits have been claimed that is to say once there are seven baby yodas out here uh on the table on the main board here then that starts a countdown and the start player grabs literally a stack of tiles that counts from five to one and for the rest of the game, every time they take a turn, they take the top tile off and hand it to the person whose next turn it is.
1: So everybody gets five more turns after seven baby yodas have entered
0: the ring around the bonfire. Yep. You finish the round and then everyone gets five more turns. And then you run through your scoring list. I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier. We're not going to run through it now because it's it would, your brain would start melting out of your points, ears a little points points, bit. Points, 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 points,
1: points, 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 points. And then whoever
0: has the most points uh, has saved the world better than everybody else.
1: You got it, right? I mean, you're probably ready to play it. Everything. Yeah.
0: You know what? Eat your heart out, John Gets Games. <laughs> you just come here and listen to us, and we'll just shout you through games.
1: So do you want to talk about how we feel about it?
0: I, I would love to. I would like to say that
1: uh, I think I like it. What do you think? Yeah, I like it too.
0: This is where we kind of, where we kind of put our little feelers out to decide if we're going to uh, agree or argue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it was pretty clear from us playing it Eagerly three times Man, in a row. We
0: really did. Just one, two, three. Bang, yep. bang, bang.
1: Uh so here's some things that I like about it. Like yeah. real things that I really like about it. Uh when you set up the board, everything's a little different every time and there's enough
0: So much variability in setup. They give you so many of these little tasks and you only end up especially in a two player game, you only end up using like half of them.
1: That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Is just the amount of variability up here with the tasks and the tasks are yes, a big part of the game. Cause you need to get lit bonfires to get points in the end. But mostly what I like about it is it gives you kind of your starting point. Like yeah. the first thing I do when the, when the game is set up is, Oh good. Like what, you know, what tasks have some nice synergies that I might want to cash in on or are conveniently located close to an Evita that I want to get or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And that in conjunction with the, you know, the gnomes that are available early on can help determine how you're going to play this game. Yep. So one of the other things I really love about this is the wide variety in the gnome cards. Yeah. And you never get through the whole deck in a game. So you're not going to see all of the cards. So many, a multitude of gnomes and they have really fun perks that are things that you can do every time
0: you take a certain action. So They break the rules, right? Like there are so yeah. many rules in this game, but then they introduce this deck of gnomes that are just like, Pah, you can only move your ship one spot for every ship tile you spend? Nope. Now you can move it two. That is immensely useful. So one that I got this, this time that I really liked was
1: Uh, Whenever I turn the bonfire, I get to take all three of the available actions at that location rather than just two of three of your choosing, which is typically, they all have a resource, they all have an action tile, and they all have one of these uniquely shaped portals, portal chits.
0: And normally you can only choose two of the three, but with that gnome,
1: you get all three. It's so great. And then I also really like this one where my wild action tokens with a question mark in the middle, which we didn't even talk about, but there's a wild one too. Yep. Ooh, baby, baby, there's a wild
0: one. You can't resist, can you? I can't.
1: (laughs) Counts as the double of that type. Sure. So, I don't know. You had some ones that you really liked too. Do you want to run through some of your faves?
0: Yeah, I've got one here that says, whenever you move a guardian of a certain color, and in this case, it might be the the wood one that I uh, earlier called nude. uh, Mm -hmm. When you move that one up the path, like I said earlier, these paths have resources on them. And so whenever you move a guardian across one of those resources, you get it. But this card will give you double of those resources. So if you can get this card before you obtain the nude guardian, you'll get you'll just be drowning in resources. You'll be drowning in fruit or drowning in mint or something like that. There's another one here that I like that um, lets you break the rule about needing to build your portals from right to left, which means that you can just start dropping portals anywhere you want which makes it way easier to move your guardians into place to lock in those points at yeah the end of that's the game. probably one of the best ones in the game i think yeah at the very least it's the most like immediately useful i enjoy it a lot i do not think i would like it because it is a perfect information game you set the board up everyone looks at the board for about you know five minutes scratching their chins and going Hm-h-h-h-h. and then the game starts and Really, really smart people could probably lay out exactly how the game is going to go in their head and say, "I'm going to win." No, I right. don't think so. You at all. You don't think Lieutenant Commander Data of the United States Federation of Countries wouldn't be able to come down here and calculate who's going to win?
1: No, because of the way that you have to place your one by threes. You like know. that's that's a lot of variability. It's right too much there variability. As as, yeah, yeah, you don't like. You don't know. First of all, you don't know what your opponent's going to do as far as playing those. But second of all, I don't know that I would necessarily see the same setup of these tiles myself and do the same thing twice. Yeah, necessarily.
0: there are rules about how you get to place these these dominoes onto your grid. They are initially arranged in a in a random order in front of you at the start of the game. And when it's time to place a new domino onto the grid, you can only take from the top or the bottom of your arrangement which means that uh, you don't just get to lay out this scripted approach to how you're going to get your tiles. You have to come up with some new strategy every time you play the game. Uh, And so, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe Lieutenant Officer Data from the uh, American (laughs) ship of the Enterprises would not be able to to solve this problem, I guess, when he sits right down and looks at it.
1: And it's nothing against him. I have nothing but the ultimate (laughs) respect (laughs) for for lieutenant commander data
0: of the american army of android soldiers i've never actually seen an episode of star trek in my entire life you're joking
1: (laughs) i know but i'm just pretending to be an idiot no everybody knows for sure that you've seen star trek you just ooze i watched star trek (laughs) when i was a kid well maybe it's my
0: t-shirt that says i watched star trek (laughs) as a kid (laughs) this game's great we really like it we're we're joshing each other so much because like we don't really have a whole lot of criticisms about it we know that this game is not for everyone definitely and steffenfeld games are not for everyone but if you are even remotely the type of person who likes heavy games with complex interlocking systems uh this game can be had for kind of a song it's it it kind of flew under the radar when people talk about their top Steffenfeld games they'll say castles of burgundy trajan carpe diem uh, but they don't really mention this i haven't seen anybody really mention this and that's a shame because i think it's pretty good it's you know uh, if, the theme may not make the most sense <laughs> but it's charming it's, it is it's not a bunch of dudes in togas yeah which it's is good.
1: aesthetically pleasing that's that says something i think
0: yeah uh bonfire big hit we're gonna we're gonna have a, a party around this one i think <laughs> And not because we're lighting it on fire. but spinning it around. The the opposite of that. In a world where nothing is really going wrong again, a hundred years before things would also not be going that much wrong, (laughs) you're setting out to improve your city districts. That's the worst thing that could happen right now is your city district's Definitely could use some improvement. No invaders, no plague. We're just trying to build some buildings. going to plant some crops. Yep. Grow some, raise some chickens. Make some, some cool vino. Uh, I'm assuming they had wine back in 1 BC. I don't see why else you would be harvesting grapes. That I mean, grapes, red seedless table grapes, as we all know, are delicious. Did they have seedless table grapes back then? Did they have tables <laughs> back then? I don't know. It was a long time ago. But they decided as a society that they had had enough of sitting around and after watching Dead Poet Society, they felt inspired and they all gathered together and decided that they were going to...
1: Car- carpe... Okay,
0: look. Some of, us, some of us took Latin in high school and we know that this says Carpe Diem. Mm-hmm.
1: Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem
0: by Steffen Feld. Released in the year 2017. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this was such a recent game. This came out, I have news for you, 2017. It's five years ago.
1: Well, I mean, in, in the span of Fister games, like
0: it, it could have been older. In the span of Fister games, this is actually not even a part of those, because this is Steffen Feld. That's what I said. Nope. 2017 is when this game came out.
1: I'm surprised it's that old.
0: It that young. Which is it? Never mind. Cut. <laughs> 2017 is when this game came out. And it's I would have to say that it is uh, Carcassonne by way of Steffenfeld.
1: Without the worker placement, well, there are workers. Yeah. But it's not the same thing.
0: Okay. Fair enough. I in my simple caveman brain, I see tile laying and buildings and scoring points and I completing
1: think, shapes with land types. And I such. think
0: Carcassonne, this is just like Carcassonne. But we'll get into that. We'll <laughs> talk about that. But first, let's talk about what you're getting in the box and how it looks on the table.
1: So you've got your communal board and you've got your player mats. Yep. Your centerpiece board here, communal board, has seven positions with four tiles to be laid down in at each of the seven positions those will be the same grid tiles that you will then be picking up and putting onto your player mat yeah and you also have of course a score tracker along one side yeah it's kind of kind of a score tracker it's not all the points you get no in fact it it ends up being a rather small slice of all the points you get but it is the turn tracker and it's the visible to everybody points that you're accumulating yep uh then you also have a market of tiles that you can buy if you meet certain conditions and lastly you have the end of round
0: scoring cards
1: yeah scoring cards yeah that you have to you know choose a position at the end of each round and reap the benefits if you've met the conditions
0: required for them yeah to the player boards player boards I oh, mean, every good game has player boards, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> well, this one is really where all of your action takes place. Yeah. Uh, you've got a grid that is seven by seven. Uh, That's mm-hmm. some
0: quick counting. I,
1: I did count very quickly. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> can I get that far without having to pause? Yes, I can. Uh, I can apparently count to seven while I'm still talking. It's amazing. I, that That makes one of us. <laughs> So, uh, yep, 7 by 7 grid. Around the edges of the grid are four border pieces that form a frame that will be different every time that you play because they interlock and they're all unique. So one of the things you do when you set up the game for the first time is you take your center board and you pick four random border pieces, lock them together, and then this will help inform for you which rows and columns you might want to build certain building types in to
0: get more points more points points are good because points win you the game
1: and that's what you get a bunch of tiles that will be on the board and then ultimately on your board and some cards that are victory points which i kind of like money i guess
0: you don't spend it but you just kind of draw these cards and you know if If you're like me, and I know I am, I keep my least (laughs) valuable victory point cards on top so that no one knows how many points I actually have.
1: Oh, is it supposed to be hidden information? They
0: don't really say, but you might as well.
1: Check. Uh, And then, of course, lastly, you have the bonus cards, which, again, if you build a certain building type, you can draw secret bonus cards for yourself as well.
0: I would have to say that for a Steffen Feld game, at least a modern era Steffenfeld game, as much as twenty seventeen is modern. Yeah, with how fast the board game industry moves. This is a pretty restrained Steffen Feld game.
1: Oh, very restrained. Yeah. It's I would
0: say it's it's simple even, perhaps. Yeah, kind of sparse. <laughs> but that said, there's still a lot of game here. Let's talk about how it plays. This is a tile drafting and tile laying game. Yep. The seven positions that Laura mentioned earlier are going to hold four tiles each at the start of the first round and uh, at the start of the second, third, and fourth rounds. They will also hold four tiles each. And at the very, very first move of the game, you take your wooden meeple person here and you pick one of those seven positions, put it down, and just take one of those tiles and put it on your player mat where you have your golden shovel. That's where your very first tile has to go. Boom. Each of the player mats are different my golden shovel spot not the same as your golden shovel spot so we have kind of maybe different experiences a little bit put my tile down on that golden shovel great now these tiles all kind of follow the same general convention they'll have part of a building on one side and part of a building on the other there are a few that are like end caps where they just have part of a building on one side and then grass all around the others but they almost all have grass on the top and the bottom of them and the idea is that You have to put down tiles on your player board as you draft them, and you have to build out from that golden shovel section. And so grass has to touch grass. Uh, Appropriate building half has to touch appropriate building half. And with that, dear listener, you could probably get the picture of how your player board is going to start to fill out. These buildings of different types are going to kind of start to fill up your player board. And as you complete them, that is to say, as you put these end caps onto these buildings, you're going to start getting bonuses for having completed these buildings and these plots of lands and, and all that other stuff.
1: Yep, they're not all just buildings. In fact, I think that you just you just caught yourself on it, but it's buildings and also...
0: Plots of land, yeah. fa- uh, crop areas. Crop areas, there yeah. you go, I like that. There are 11 of these... We're gonna just gonna call them building types, even though some of them aren't actually buildings. Sure. There's eleven of these types, right? Four of them are the different resources. You got your chickens, your grapes, your fish, and what is that? Is that uh tobacco? Is that mint? Oh it's some kind of I don't know. It's leaves. It's a leaf that you it's get. It's a leaf. Four of the other building types are these, I guess they're, you know, administration, bakery, bank, and uh, dark green building. I don't really know what they are. And the rule book is way over there and I don't feel like grabbing it. The bakery will give you two bread tokens, which is useful. We'll cover that in a bit. The gold building is is i guess the merchant area the bank area you get two monies you get you turn in all of the resources that you've picked up from those crop areas like your chicken and your grapes and stuff literally the game just takes all of those from you and gives you a gold coin for each of them plus one for your trouble and gold coins are cool because as you'll see later you can use them in place of any resource wild resources yeah extremely useful the dark green building allows you to immediately take a tile from the market that Laura described that are down at the bottom. And these special tiles down here at the market are all guaranteed to be end caps or isolated buildings all on their own. There's not going to be any tiles that have a double building, like a half of a building on each side. Yep, They're going to be very, very useful for capping off buildings around the border of your player mat. Because
1: you cannot have half a building sticking out
0: into the border uh, and then the gray building moves your marker up what's called the roll track. And The roll track is this kind of hybrid between turn order. The further up the roll track you are, the more likely you are to be first player. Uh, there's also directly translates into victory points at the end of the game. The further up the roll track you are at the end of the game, the more points you'll get. I think that's about it. That's the only use for the roll track. There's a little mini expansion out there that lets you get some resources the further up you go. But we haven't even opened that yet. It's still sitting there unopened in the box. Hmm. The other three building types are single square. They're just sitting there all by themselves with grass on all four sides. You got your bakery, which just gives you one bread for putting it on your player mat. You got your coinery, which just gives you one coin for putting it there on your player mat. And then you've got the fountain, which allows you to draw two cards from the fountain deck and those are little private objectives that will give you extra points for meeting certain conditions. You keep one of those, and you put the other one at the bottom of the deck. Those are the 11 building types. Not that complex. Pretty straightforward. You, you just put your man down on a spot and pick up a tile. And then when it's your turn again, you have to put your man down either to the left or the right around this circle of positions.
1: So you're always just kind of inching around the circle. Yep. Grabbing a tile, moving to the next one, grabbing
0: a tile. But if you're willing to spend a bread token, you can pick your man up, put him anywhere you want. You can even leave him on the exact same spot. No matter how many players, each spot has four tiles. In a two-player game, as soon as two of those tiles are gone, the other two go away. They leave the game. Same thing more or less in a three-player game. If the third tile is picked up, then that last tile goes away. And then in a four-player game... It's, it's everyone can get any tile they want from any spot as long as there's something open there. Until the last one's gone. Yep. So
1: what that means is you will get seven tiles yeah. per round.
0: Everyone is guaranteed to get at least seven tiles. Right. And more if you happen to complete a dark green building to get one of those extra end caps from the market. Down at the bottom here. That's the game. You do that until everyone has taken their seven tiles. Then we stop for a little scoring round. There are two types of scoring cards in the game. There's ones that require you to cash things in like resources. Yeah. Like turning in one grape, one fish and one leaf and you get five points. If you have extra grapes, leaves and fishes, then you can get another five points. You can just keep doing that. Just keep hitting that, that button, keep pulling that lever. Uh, There's the other type of scoring cards, which is all you have to do is have this type of stuff for every fountain. Maybe you'll get a point or For every gray and green completed building that you have, you'll get seven points. Or for every two chimneys that you have, which is a feature on one of the building types, vias that you can build that have little black squares on them that have chimneys on them. That's a 12th building type. I was just going to say, I'm not sure if you mentioned the villas. I didn't. It's not on the scoring card right away. But Mm -hmm. yes, vias don't do anything during the game. They have chimneys, and chimneys will give you points uh, based on these scoring cards, or once you've completed your vias, you'll get points for chimneys in this kind of weird, typical Euro scaling fashion at the end of the game. So it benefits you to build a single large building with a lot of chimneys rather than a couple of small buildings with a couple of chimneys each.
1: Yes, but you have to finish it because you only get the points in the end if you finish the building.
0: Don't bite off more than you can chew. This is, <laughs> don't make sure you can complete any building that you start. So the the cool thing about scoring is that when it's time to do that, whoever is furthest along the roll track gets first dibs on choosing which two scoring cards they want to choose and i say two because the scoring cards are laid out in a grid on the left side of the board here and you place your token on the intersection of two different cards yep and that's the only time those specific two cards can be scored together so i'm looking at the board right now and i placed my token at the intersection between turning in grapes for one point each and Uh, getting seven points for having a gray and a green building. And if I remember right, at that point, I scored myself eight points because I had one grape and I had a gray and a green building. You sure did. Eight points, there you go. And that's the only time that combination can be scored. Now, you put your token down. If you can't score either of those, you'll lose four victory points for each one that you can't score. So if you're not first when, when picking that, it's possible that you could end up losing points because someone tries to score something before you're able to get there.
1: Especially in the first round when yeah. you don't
0: have You don't start with anything m- much going on yet. You start yeah. with nothing. I would I looked at that rule book three or four times because I thought I remembered that you start with like a bread. And you know what? Some person could write in and say, Yeah, you dummy, you do start with a bread, but man, I read that rule book three times and even watched Rodney Smith on Watch It Played, and I did not see him start with any bread or coins or no anything. No mention
1: like that. of free bread, huh?
0: No. There is no free bread. We know that. Come on. Modern age. But Laura, what happens if you just can't claim anything on the board with the resources you've got, but you've got a stack of bread? Well, in that case, three
1: bread will let you satisfy the condition for any of the...
0: Even this one that's worth eight points and and needs a chicken, a grape, a fish, and a leaf? If I have three bread, I can just be like, ha-ha, not only do I not lose four points, I get Eight points. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Very so powerful. Stocking up on bread can really help. And like we said earlier, coins, those gold coins, those can be used for any resource. So if you have five chickens and you manage to complete that gold building that turns your goods into coins, now you've got coins to turn in for this for this scoring condition and and you're good you get your eight points even though at, you only started with five chickens <laughs> look at that when i started i only had five chickens but then i turned that into six coins and i got eight points <laughs> this, what a hobby what a hobby we have so that's it you do that four times one two three four and then at the end of the game if you have leftover stuff all of that stuff resources uh coins bread all of that stuff you, you turn that all in and you get one point for every two of those you have left over. You tally up how far along you are on the roll track and it's just a one-to-one point exchange right there. Right now, my marker there is on the 10th space of the track, so I get 10 points. Then you get to something that I think is pretty cool. Uh, Laura mentioned earlier you have these four border tiles that you clip around together around your playmat. And what they show you is a line effectively that you draw down a given row or column. And if that that imaginary line bisects a building or a plot of land of that type, you'll get that many points. I'm looking at my player board right now. And if I have a completed via that straddles the third and fourth column, I'll get three points. It's not per, you just need to have at least one. Uh, if I have a completed uh, dark green building that straddles the what is that, the fifth and sixth column, I'll get myself four points. That's neat. That's something you're really focusing on. And that I think is where Laura has has just absolutely trounced me in the past. Oh She's yeah, that's really good at it.
1: First thing that I look at is yeah. how do I wanna, if possible, try to arrange my buildings on this. And I'm just gonna say Okay. One of the big frustrations with this game yep. is that you're never going to find a piece that has buildings coming in At perpendicular right to each other. Yeah. Uh, so, what that means is if you're going to make a switch between orienting your plots of land and buildings horizontally to vertically, you need to probably leave a space and put like one of those bakeries or merchant shops or one of the single Something. square buildings there or there are a very very few tiles that let you change the orientation and they're only they're
0: only the 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 crop ones oh yeah not the small buildings. not the small buildings they're only the crop ones that will give you a right angle you can do and the villa and the villa there's lots of t intersections of the villa and stuff because they expect you to be building big sprawling ones
1: yeah so what that means is because you do have to if you want to achieve these border goals you do have to have some things oriented horizontally and some things oriented vertically. Yeah. And so it also behooves you to kind of formulate a plan. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll end up with you know, as as you have done now, a few games in a row, just one little square that cannot
0: possibly be filled. It's very nice of you to leave the word "stupidly" out of there. <laughs> well, like,
1: yeah, I'm looking I'm, at your. I've uh, done it
0: twice. I've got yeah. I've got a dark green building coming in from the left and a wine crop or a grape crop coming in from the bottom, and there is no tile that does that, so that space can never be filled. Yep, done that to myself quite a few times. I mean, fortunately.
1: I think it would be dang nigh impossible to fill up your whole board yeah. in one playthrough. Yep. You'd have to take so many bonus tiles to get there. I, I, it actually might be impossible. I yeah. think
0: I don't just don't think there's enough turns in the game to fill your entire board up.
1: Yeah. So leaving a space vacant isn't expected anyway, but,
0: you, and after you've scored your, your border bonuses, Those bonus cards I talked about earlier from placing fountains down, the little miniature private objectives. Like I'm looking at one that says, hey, I get two points for every coinery on my board or two points for every fountain on my board. Laura doesn't get those. Just me. That's why my board is full of coineries and fountains right now. (laughs) Uh, Then after that, you get points for chimneys on your completed vias like I mentioned earlier. The idea is by the end of the game, you want this big, sprawling, single completed via. And if you've got a big, giant one with nine chimneys on it, for example, you'll get 18 points. That's
1: a lot of points. That is a lot
0: of points. That's the game. Whoever has the most victory points at the end has done the best job of making their part of Rome a little bit nicer. I guess that's what's at stake here. We're (laughs) we're all just trying to make things a little bit nicer. But whoever has the most points has done it the best. Carpe diem. They have car the most diems. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it
1: back around to the points from my tangent about the orientation of
0: buildings. You're absolutely welcome. That's what <laughs> I'm here to do. I'm here to I'm here to us help on track. I'm here to help you. And by extension, our dear listener. So let's help our dear listener uh, understand how we feel about this game so that they maybe could uh, make an informed decision if they take our opinion into account at all. <laughs> I barely do. What do we think?
1: Well, you know, I enjoy this game, but I don't love it. Yeah. To be honest. I mean, I think it is something that's fine on our shelves for now.
0: Yeah. It's going to survive know. the yeah. first the first pass. It's going to survive. I don't think it's going to survive the second wave of culling. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cute. If they decided to release an expansion for it, I don't think they have. I don't think they've done any kind of real big box expansion. There's, like I mentioned, a couple of little mini ones. And added something a little interesting on top of it. Mm. It might it might increase its staying power. But for now, it's cute. Um, it can probably be got pretty cheaply if you're willing to get the first printing of it, which is in the darker box by Aaliyah. There's a, a second version, an updated version, with you know slightly improved art in a white box. I don't know how much that costs. I, like I said, we have the, the kind of earlier, a little bit more drab version. It's fine. It's fine. It's an Aaliyah game. What do you expect? You're lucky we get graphics at all <laughs> instead of different types of smudges. This is an okay game. Uh, I don't have anything against it. And if someone suggested it for whatever reason, oh, you guys have Carpe Diem. I love that game. Let's play it. I would happily play it. Uh, that would be very weird. I, I would I would probably never let that person leave my house if they came in and Carpe Diem by Steffen Feld from Aaliyah was their favorite game I would probably just keep them in a giant glass tube.
1: <laughs> uh <Uh-oh. laughs>
0: Perform experiments on them to figure out, what wh- what are you? When
1: this happens, I just say,
0: run. <laughs> I do too, <laughs> but in a creepy voice. Carpe diem. Uh, we, will, we will seize this game for now, but at some point we may have to- rele- Set it free? Yeah, release this diem. The year is a very long time ago, and a bunch of people in a bunch of houses are all trying to gain prestige and influence in and around the cathedral. I don't know. You know what? You really, really I don't
1: set the stage for this one, I think. I. You know what? Who Beautiful. cares?
0: It's themeless. This is a themeless game, folks. The year is 2007. Stefan Feld has put out a game called <laughs> Notre Dame. Where he has come up with this cool system, and he's decided to just involve the cathedral in France, and we're pushing cubes around it. I hate to sound dismissive of it, but man, this game came out 15 years ago, and he's grown a lot as a developer. It's nice to get a nice little look back. So yes, the year is 2007, Notre Dame, the board game, has come out by a relatively <laughs> unknown designer, Stefan Feld.
1: It's part of his juvenilia. It,
0: ooh, oh man. Ding! That's a good word. <laughs> we want to take a look at the the early days of Steffenfeld. So here we are, Notre Dame. What do we got? When you get when you open the box, what do you get?
1: Well, this is one of the ways in which I think it really shines. Actually. Go for it! Yeah. You have these. I'm going to call them a Rondi's mom.
0: You call them whatever you want. Just don't call them late for dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Does that work? Does that work? Let's go to
0: the computer. Computer, does that work?
1: It does not.
0: Oh, man. I got to update that thing. It's been flashing system updates for a while. I think I know one of the bugs they're going to fix. <laughs> Fine. What are these called? A boo- amuse-bouches? Arrondissement. Arrondissement. Yeah. Okay. I
1: think it's like a it's like a district. Okay. Paris is divided into arrondissements, Okay. And since it is set in Paris, yeah. let's call these Mall. Plus, they're... You know, there's not a name for the shape that they are. No, I mean, there probably technically are, is a name for the shape.
0: These are weird. They're weird shapes. Uh, they're polygons. Yeah, definitely polygonal. <laughs> that's that's true.
1: What's cool about each little arrondissement, everyone has his or her own arrondissement they'll oh, be playing boy.
0: with. I think we're going to have to get a little counter going here.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep saying it. It's fun. <laughs> is that these player boards can fit together yeah. in a variety of ways around the very simple square that is Notre Dame in the middle. It's kind of like a a tesseract, right? That's the word I'm looking for, where you have like shapes that fit together. Tessellation. Tessellation. The
0: tesseract is the four-dimensional hypercube.
1: That is not what I was thinking. (laughs) But yes, tessellation. That's the word. I'm going to blow
0: your mind because I am now currently holding up two other shapes that can go in the middle of them, depending on the number of players. Oh, they're not all squares. No, you got a triangle that can go in the middle or this pentagon that can go in the middle. Well, dear
1: listener, the point was that whether you play with three players, four players, or five players... Or two, as we did a stun and set it up, therefore, for a four player board yeah. uh, with the two of us across from each other. But any way you set it up with uh, the separate center pieces, these uniquely shaped polygons of your arrondissement can <laughs> fit around the center shape in kind of an interlocking position. So yep. that's one of the delights, I think, is setting it up and seeing these cool shapes are designed in such a way for a, a purpose that is very satisfying. So then you get, in addition to that, you got, of course, your own set of wooden bits. You've got cubes. You've got a person wearing a hat. (laughs) You've got a vehicle. And then you have a bunch of little tokens that are market tokens that are secrets that will be revealed as you play.
0: That's it. 2007 was a simple time yep (laughs) everything else
1: is uh some cards you get some cards your cards yeah Yeah. your cards the cards for hiring people you got some money you've got some influence tokens
0: points Yep. that's it that's it it's a pretty straightforward game the main concept here is drafting these uh uh rondes del uh (laughs) pollo locos nailed it (laughs) nailed it These burrows here, these player boards, uh, you have seven different sections in them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then you have the harbor, which you never actually put cubes into. But each of these seven sections are areas where you can put cubes into to gain either more cubes or to gain some money or to gain just straight up victory points or to move your little vehicle around, your little, what is this, a little electric vehicle? A little Prius?
1: (laughs) It does kind of look like...
0: You move your little Prius around, your Subaru Forester is what it looks like to me. There you go. You move your little Subaru Forester around the streets of Paris from uh, marketplace to marketplace where these little little tokens, these little secret hidden tokens that Laura talked about are placed. You got places you can put cubes that will give you kind of a, a, a selection of things. We call it the general store. You can either... Get yourself a little money get yourself some extra cubes or move backwards on the plague track on the rat track we'll cover that in a second then there's also the hospital and the park where you can put cubes to again move the plague track backwards and then the park will let you get some extra prestige points anytime you actually get prestige points if you have a bunch of cubes on it and then the hospital here will uh, negate the effects of the plague that happen at the end of every round so the way it works is at the top of the round, everyone has their, their stack of nine cards.
1: So these nine cards that you have represent each of the seven actions for the districts that Paul just mentioned as well as one that lets you move around your uh, behatted.
0: <laughs> and, and <hat-nated> mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Person. Yeah.
1: And then the last one being Notre Dame itself, which is kind of a communal spot that everybody can contribute cubes to
0: with the goal of getting yourself some extra victory points at the uh, regular intervals every three rounds so the game takes place over nine rounds and every round plays uh, exactly the same you draw three cards from your stack of nine and you look at them and you pick one and you hand two to your neighbor then you take the two that were handed to you and you pick one and you hand that last one over to your neighbor Now, you've got yourself three cards, one of yours, one of your neighbor's, and one of your neighbor's neighbor. Uh, From those three, uh, you go around the table, from uh, the start player, around the table, and you pick one, pick one, and you play it. And most of the time, you take a cube from your personal supply, and you just drop it on the board. So I'm playing one that just gives me straight victory points right now. I put it on my victory point district, boop, and I get one victory point. Later on down the line, if I put a second cube In that victory point district, because there are now two cubes in there, I'm going to get myself two victory points. Later on, if I play it again, I put a third cube in there. Because there are now three cubes in there, I'll get myself three victory points. Compounding. And that same logic applies to the spot where you can get yourself money. It applies to the spot where you can get yourself extra cubes, which you'll need because you only start with four. Got to get the rest from the general supply. And it also applies to the spot where you move your little Subaru Forester around, your little vehicle around. The first cube you put in there lets you move it one space. The second cube lets you move it two, and so on and so on. Uh, putting extra cubes in the hospital, and the park, and in that general store don't necessarily compound themselves. Although, if you start putting a lot of cubes in the park, you start earning extra prestige when you earn any prestige points. And if you put a lot of cubes in the general store, uh, eventually you'll start being able to do two things in the general store rather than just one. But that's it. You play a card, then when it comes back around to you, you play a second card, everyone gets a chance to play two of their three cards. That third card will go unplayed. And in fact, they even recommend tucking it underneath your second card so that nobody knows what it was. So nobody can keep track of who's got what left.
1: So any card counters out there won't necessarily know Move what, on. Yeah, what you didn't choose to play. Yep. So in conclusion, each round is draft three cards Yep. and play two play of two. those three cards. Yep. Then what happens?
0: Then after that? We have the opportunity to hire some extra people. When the round starts, there are two decks of people. Uh, One is just this deck of six regular people, and the other is this deck of nine that's split into three. Three of them will come out in the first part of the game, three of them will come out in the second part, and three of them will come out in the third.
1: And they have some special abilities like getting to move cubes around or getting some money and victory points. Yep. Getting cubes and victory points. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera.
0: These special cards here that come out like in the first, uh, second, and third part of the game are a little more specialized. Most of them involve getting points for cubes you have in certain burrows on your side of the board or maybe not for having cubes in certain parts of your side of the board. Various ways of scoring some extra points. Got to pay a money in order to use one of these guys, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. That's one of the two things you use money for. Because the one thing we did not cover is Notre Dame right there in the middle. Yeah, That uh, ninth card is Notre Dame. You play the Notre Dame card. You take one of your cubes from your personal supply. You put it there on the Notre Dame section. And then you have a choice. Do I want to donate one, two, or three monies? And you'll get one, three, or six victory points for doing that. Great. No problem. Easy points. Then, after the first third of the game is done, so after three rounds, we score Notre Dame. Uh, In this two-player game, there are six points to go around, and every cube on there will get an even number of points. So if there are three cubes on there, two mine and one of Laura's, then my cubes will get two points each, Laura will get two points, which gives me a total of four, and Laura two. Then all the cubes are taken off of Notre Dame, we move into Part B of the game, play three more rounds, score Notre Dame, move into Part C of the game, play three rounds, Score Notre Dame. Whoever has the most prestige points at the end wins.
1: So there's one thing that I think we should go into a little more depth on, and that is
0: the plague. The plague. That's right. That's a good idea. Let's talk about the plague.
1: Yeah. So this harbor tracker. Yeah. With the black cube is the plague tracker. Yep. And there are rat icons on the bottom of all of the folks that you can hire yep and there will be three visible at the end of each round yep and the number of rats on the bottom of all of these folks will get added together and that is how much the plague will increase across
0: all the (laughs) arrondissement so there are uh what is that 10 spots on the plague track zero through nine and uh the, the the plague can go up Between uh, 1 and 5, maybe 6. Yeah, if you're really unlucky. And you'll know it's coming. You'll say, oh, man, at the end of this round, that plague's going to go up by 6. I better do something about that. Because if you don't, eventually your plague tracker will go all the way up to 9. And if it ever moves past 9, then you lose 2 victory points and 1 cube from your board from your spot that has the most cubes on it.
1: Yep, which you especially don't want to have happen early on because getting those cubes down with the compounding yeah. thing that you mentioned is really what helps you get started in this game.
0: Other than the four cubes you start with, if you want more, you got to do something that lets you get them from the supply. So losing one off your board can really set you back a turn or two.
1: Yep. Thank goodness there are a few ways to counteract the increasing plague. As you mentioned, the, the garden and the market and the hospital, most importantly, will all let you reduce your plagues. Yeah. But... The best way to really have an impact there is to stack up cubes as you like to do yeah. in the hospital area. So if you've
0: got five cubes in there and there's only three rats for this round, not only have you taken care of the plague, you also get to move your tracker back too, so you don't have to worry. Do a little plague free dance down the street. It's like this. You can't see it now, dear listener, but I am doing the plague free dance. Mm. Uh. Yep,
1: nothing avoids mm. suspicion like uh. the plague free dance.
0: Plague free plague free in oh 1493 is that the year oh man that'd be great computer was that the year this game takes place
1: no paul it does not
0: look what are the odds of me getting it right don't answer that computer there's been a lot of years no so that's the game it's a pretty light affair nine rounds draft some cards put some cubes on the board push them around and uh and score some points that's that's it. If you've been paying attention to any of our other Steffenfeld Feld reviews, you'll know that that's kind of what he's known for. But this is a this is this is I, I would almost say that this is almost not a game. It's a game. I guess it is a game, but like it doesn't really seem to require a lot of planning and thought. You you kind of just take some things in and you go ah that's my turn. We played this game while we were making dinner. That's true. We tagged in and out while we were making dinner.
1: That's true. It does not require much thought
0: yeah now we've only played this with two players i would expect that with at least three players you're starting to see a lot more variety in the cards because in a two-player game i hand you my two and then you hand one of mine right back to me i there's there's a lot less of a chance for me to get duplicates
1: right and it's definitely also the case that i am aware of at least what has already been completely used up. Sometimes, yeah. yep. If I've seen both my version and your version as we go through it, then I know it's not coming back again. So uh, that would probably be more fun. Yeah,
0: with a bigger group. But you know, 2007. Uh, what can you really expect? We've come a long way. Stefan Feld has come a long way, and I figured we—it was worth the ten bucks in the free shipping to kind of get a look at at a. At a respected designer's early days.
1: Look, the game is fine. Yeah, I don't have any problems with this game. It's a fine game. Yeah, it's just there's not a lot of meat on the bones.
0: No, it. If you get it thrown in as part of a trade, or you're at a convention and it's on the shelf for ten bucks, yeah, snag it. If, especially if you like Stefan Feld. But uh, but other than that, there's you know there's going to be much better stuff that's snappier or has a more interesting twist or something that will will play in the same amount of time and. and just be more worth your, your time and effort. Ooh boy. That was that was extreme. That was an extreme amount of feld We feld sploded all over the place. We got we definitely need to clean up around here because we got people coming over. And just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when our place looks like this after us. Felled explosion. Uh also as embarrassing was I guess apparently me just going back and forth between Villa and Villa in that in that Carpe Diem review. <laughs> uh, Make up your mind, Paul. I, I wish I could. Thanks, Mom. Uh I appreciate it. Uh she is uh fluent in Spanish, and uh that combined with uh growing up in the Bay Area where everything has uh Spanish names, you see a couple of L's and you just, you want to, you want to yaw them. So there we go. Oh, we have something else we want to talk about. And that is. The way that you pronounce the word yellow. Ye- I, yellow. Oh, oh, I, okay. Let's do that. Let's say that again. Let's do that. I like that. That's a funny joke. Let's do that again. And something else we wanted to talk like about. Like the way that you pronounce the word yellow. What's wrong with how I pronounce yellow? <laughs> I don't. Look, we'll take that offline. Okay. But the other thing I want to talk about. Mm is we have another giveaway here. It's giveaway time! Yeah, so I know at least one or two people might remember a previous life of mine back in the days 2010. Those golden days. uh, When I had a little YouTube channel called the Untitled Flash-Based Review Thing. It was a fun little channel where uh, I created little flash animations and cat pictures and people making funny faces and... And uh, it was my own little corner of the internet to talk about games that I liked. The problem is those videos took like 20 to 40 hours each. Woof. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. And Flash is not fun to mess around with. And, you know, life gets in the way and you get a new job that doesn't allow you to spend 40 hours a week when you actually should be working. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of just stop. And that channel's been dormant ever since. Uh, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't until you and I started this up again that I thought that I would really be contributing to the internet board game adjacent content creator space. But we did have someone reach out to us. A gentleman reached out and said, hey, I remember your videos from years ago, and they got me into board gaming. I've been uh, happy ever since, and I've had a lot of fun, so I wanted to thank you. And this person turns out to be a gentleman by the name of Bosco. From Board Game Bliss,
1: up in Richmond Hill, Ontario, the Great White North, Canadian neighbors, yes,
0: yeah, and and out of the goodness of his heart, uh, and hopefully not out of the wallet of the owner of the store, if he doesn't have the authority to make this decision, uh, this uh, Bosco says, "Hey, uh, and to thank you for for what you did and for getting me into this, I wanted to give you an eighty-dollar Canadian." A gift card to Board Game Bliss right here.
1: But here's the thing. We have already more games than we can shake a stick at, and Lord knows I've
0: tried. We are so very, very fortunate at the amount of games we have and the space that we have to hold on to them. We're not hurting for games here.
1: Also, we thought it would be a great opportunity to give a major shout out to Board Game Bliss. Yeah,
0: it was completely unnecessary in the nicest way. Like, he totally did not have to do that at all. That was very, very nice.
1: Also, you have like Paul's dream job, if you weren't aware. <laughs>
0: um,
1: if you would really like to, um, yeah. to to say thank you to Paul, probably nothing would do it more so than like uh, just giving him the whole game store. Give me
0: actually. the store. How's and that? And your
1: Canadian citizenship while we're at it.
0: Yeah, I'll trade you. <laughs> I'll trade you. We got all kinds of stuff here in America. You could have this sweet, sweet podcast. Yeah, we've got this podcast. We've got you know inches. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. We've got gallons.
1: So we wanted to expose you, our dear listener, to Board Game Bliss. They have a yeah. fantastic website. Yeah. Some, some pretty hot spotlights on games that we love. They're on the landing page too. Yeah,
0: we're gonna we're gonna give someone this eighty dollar Canadian gift certificate to Board Game Bliss. Uh, Because, uh, like we said, we are fortunate enough to have all the games we could need for quite some time. To accept this gift would just be gilding the lily, I suppose, is is Mm. what they call that. And so we're going to redirect it to you, the dear listener. All you have to do is send us an email to mostdifficult at gmail.com. Send us an email and uh, let us know what game you'd like us to talk about, what game you'd like us to cover. If you want to take
1: a look at the list of games that we actually own, Paul does a pretty good job of maintaining that on Board Game Geek. Yep. Look for Uvula Bob. U-V-U-L-A-B-O-B. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, let us know a game that you'd like us to review. Lord knows
0: there's a fair <laughs> chance we might have it. <laughs> pretty good chance we have it. If
1: we don't, one of our friends might. Yeah. Uh,
0: Paul might use it as an excuse to purchase the game. From Board Game Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And send that on the way. And at some indeterminate point in the future, we will uh, pick one and uh, announce it on the air, just like we did last time uh, when we sent Agricola off to the wild yonder. And my understanding is that was received and enjoyed uh, heartily.
1: So if you want an 80 Canadian dollar gift certificate to Board Game Bliss,
0: you know what you got to do. Send us an email. Send us an email. So with that, I think we can sign off for this one. We are on the mend. COVID has no longer any sway over us. We're feeling good, ready to approach the airport again <laughs> at the height of our immunity for one, hopefully one last bout of travel. All kinds of travel going on here.
1: Come at me, Covey.
0: Yeah, we're looking at we're looking at a nice relaxing summer, some mint juleps, and uh, rebuilding a deck. It's just like I imagined growing up. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it, uh, dear listener. Until uh, next time, we want to thank you for honoring, honoring us with, with your, your ears. ears. I met him in a swamp down in Dagobah, where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated S-O-D-A, soda. S-O-D-A. Do they really reference Dagobah in that song? Uh, That is the song Yoda by Weird Al Yankovic. Of course.